Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. The fun is almost over. The last round of the NRL season is upon us. It is absolutely flowing by, hasn't it, Brock? It has. There's no, no more Monday night footy. It's all gone. All done to you. So, had a little service at home last night in memory of Monday night football. So, uh, that won't return until March. So, I guess we've got the Thursday this week, but and then it really streamlines. I don't know if we're only going to have the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, it is definitely winding down, my friend. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty filthy, to be honest. I was talking about that again last night. Thursday night just doesn't do it for me. I really don't like it. Um, I, I'd rather both. Paul, I heard Paul Kent say it on uh, Sunday. He said, I'd rather both. I'm on with it. Yeah, I but you every night. the scheduling's too much. Yeah. You'd have well, to... I don't think it would be if it was managed correctly, but... Yeah, but no, then we're still talking, you know, between Fox and them and the ratings and this. There's so many little underlying things to drag it over that many days. And the, I like the way it was. Um, and I like the, the idea of the Sunday night game. But, yeah, I just... I hate the fact that Thursday is work. Like, people say Monday you go to work. But Monday football to me is like a reward. Like, after the weekend, you go back on Monday and then you come home, which it's the worst day of the week by a mile, Monday. And then you get a game yeah, of football. Yeah, we spoke about this last week. I, I train on Thursdays, so Mondays usually I don't have training. So yeah, the Thursday I like, I've got to go. I like out. the Monday better, but I'd rather both. Yeah, Friday starts. The footy starts my weekend off. I don't like going to work after watching the footy. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, we'll do the the fast five. But what we're going to do, we're going to put the fan forum uh, after the reviews today. Uh, it kind of slipped my mind. Luckily, Brock remembered. Once I got home, I saw he posted one up, so we're going to delay a little bit of time there. So we'll do the highlight, the lowlight, best and worst for our Fast Fives, then do the reviews of the games from the weekend, and then we'll chuck the fan forum on at the end. But uh, what was your highlight from the weekend? Uh, the Broncos. They were super. Uh, and the Roosters. So the top two, I think, really stamped home their authority. Uh, the Broncos obviously beat um, the defending premiers and didn't just beat them, they dismantled them. Uh, and then you had the Roosters who uh, went to play Jeff Tuvey in glass game at Brookie and Manly with everything on the line, and they dismantled them as well. So there's probably two games I thought that would be really close that didn't eventuate. But um, I just those two sides, um, to me, I, I'm just warming, and I said it last week on the show, I'm warming towards the Broncos up to the east. Um, and what I saw the other night, if anything only solidified that, it didn't. Um, changed my mind at all. So uh, they're an exciting team, and they're just well coached. Um, uh, I look forward to them seeing them go around against the Storm. Your mob on Thursday night. Yeah, well, I'm sticking to my guns. I said last week that I have still 100% confidence and faith in the Roosters. If it was any other team that would have lost 
uh, one of those players. No, no one's lucky enough to have the well, talent. Crazy. No one has crazy the talent. How they just they didn't even didn't even seem to. Win, no, did and that's exactly what I was getting at last week. Who else has two international and state back rowers, uh, state of origin back rowers? Two guys on the bench like Napa would have played Origin. Um, he was bloody close to playing for the Kangaroos. Isaac Liu. Uh, Matungi played for New Zealand. People forget that. And then when Jared goes out, Moa comes back in. I know maybe the the presence in the locker room or that leader, but you want to talk about that side. Like, how many good centres are there anymore? The most sides struggle to have one quality centre. They've got well, quite possibly two of the best centres in the competition. They've got two lethal edges. They've got a gun nine, a gun fullback. Um, there's really not a weakness. And even Elliot, he comes in. He's only young, but much like Hastings, his job's pretty simple. Catch the ball put it over the line from the great service you get. And then Hastings has a gun on the outside in Aiden Guerra, Blake Ferguson. He's got Roger backing him up. He's got friend feeding him the football and Mahoney's controlling things. So as far as he's concerned, Robinson's biggest goal for him would be just make your tackles. And um, they didn't they didn't skip a beat. They just absolutely dismantled Manly. Yeah, uh, they were both super. The first two games of the week. And it was a bit crazy from then on in, but... Um, yeah, nothing's changed my mind. If, if I had to have a bet on a grand final, that'd be, that'd be it. Yeah, well, I was impressed by Brisbane, but yeah, last week the amount of people that started to shoot down the roosters because those two went, they're the only side that could uh, recoup from those losses because they're just such a talented football team. So, Well, you're not, as I said last week, you're not really going to know until they get into those big crunch games at the end of the year, but they're, they're showing absolutely no reason why they can't sustain it. So yeah, until well, they give me a reason to question it, I'm not going to. Two massive ticks. They beat the Broncos after losing both of them after 15 minutes with no bench, and then they dismantle a side that should have had more to play for. But, you know, um, at the end of the day, they just absolutely ran them right on that park. So uh, what was your low light? It's just the Robbie Farris situation, I think, was a low light of the week. Um, I feel, I feel for, for everyone in this situation, I think. You know, I can understand all points of view, but... Um, while understanding all points of view, I think there's going to be absolutely no winners out of this. Um, the board isn't going to win. I don't think Taylor's going to win, and Robbie Farris uh, definitely not going to win. So it's difficult to know what's going to happen um, out of this situation. If if I was to predict, I would think that um, he'd move on. But uh, you know, we're hearing, or you know, I'm hearing that. Um, you know, I was only just watching Fox Sports News then, and you saw. Alan Jones calling for Taylor's head, um, and at the moment, you know he's under a lot of pressure, Jason Taylor, to, to retain his job, and he's only just taken over. So um, another strange, strange off season or strange season, and it's going to be another, uh, you know, turmoil filled off season, I think, for the Tigers. So it's just a low light in the fact that then they come out and then they perform the way they did. Um, it's just must be frustrating to be a Tigers fan. I'm a Titans fan. I reckon that, that's pretty bad, but I reckon the Tigers have overtaken us this week. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a pretty disappointing situation. I can see it from all sides, but the, the simple fact of the matter is you don't give someone a deal of that length uh, and then try and do what they're trying to do. It only goes uh, similar to what I've said before. This all seems to go one way. I know the, Cher- the Cherry Evans situation is disgraceful and people were right to lay the boot in, but the club's... And I stood up for the players. I can't stand up for what Cherry Evans did, but I will stand up for most players when people um, give it to them about deals or discussing with other clubs or taking the money. Because um, look what the clubs do. Now, they've tried to knife Ballon. Um, you have a move like this coming now from uh, the Tigers side of things. It's a two-way street. The clubs are just as ruthless as the players. But 
Um, he took unders for them to get Adam Blair. He took unders for other players, and they've just, as Mick Potter said, trying to play fantasy super coach. They're dropping players and paying Adam Blair, and they're paying blokes at the Sharks. Um, Tim Sheens' contract, I'm pretty sure, only finished last year, and Mick Potter is the same deal. He only got one year out of his, didn't he? So um, they're just paying people left, right, and centre. And now to try and offload somebody. And they gave all the different reasons, and Taylor made himself look like a fool in his press conferences, and then the CEO, Marina Go comes out and said it's for culture, not for money. They're just not on the same page. That's the even sadder part about it. It's just an absolute shamble. Yeah, well, it doesn't look like they're on the same page, that's for sure. Um, yeah, it's just a hard, hard to watch, isn't it? Just mismanagement at the highest level, really. I, I don't understand why, why it was announced. Like, a if, if, if they didn't have somewhere secure for Robbie to go, then why why come out at that time? Like was it the, was it the last straw that they thought, well, we're going to have to make this public just to see if someone will pick him up? Like, and then then it makes me think, well, geez, they they really must want to get rid of him. Um, I, I don't know, I don't know what to make of it. It's it's just strange, very very strange. And I guess without being at Ground Zero at the club, you're not really going to know what's going. So, uh, but I just feel for the, the Tigers fans, it's got to be frustrating. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, the place is an absolute basket case. Like I said, the Balmain side, they're going to pay that loan off by March. Them and West are still at warring. Uh, you've got this situation. You've got multiple coaches, players getting paid, leaving left, right and centre. A brand new board being instated. Um, and you hear of like what Mick Potter said. He wanted to give him a two-year deal and... Grant Mayer and Sam Ayub and that just cut him out of the loop. He didn't even know until they announced it that he got a four-year contract when he first took over. So um, yeah. it just seems like it's been a shambles ever since the, the Tim Sheens era sort of ended. And his last year or two wasn't that great either, obviously. Um, more so with the playing group. But yeah, they, they need a big turnaround. And the sad thing is the NRL is involved there already and it's still in this situation. So it's a real, real, well, I've real tussle. Well, a few weeks ago. If you have a look at the, the teams that are NRL controlled, most of them are down the bottom of the table, so I don't know what I don't know what to make of that. But um, you know, make of it what you will. It certainly makes me raise my eyebrows. That's for sure. I agree with you hundred percent. But uh, moving on uh, to my low light, mine was Penrith, and I don't want to lay the boot in because I know they've had a lot of injuries. But you look at other clubs. Uh, such as your mob, the Titans, and I look at the way they've played this year and how gallantly they've fought on given the situation and. Uh, there just has to be more to what's going on at Penrith, and even on the flip, it's just disappointing to see that this is the attitude. I know they've got injuries, but last year they just fought uh, tooth and nail regardless of the situation. They basically just quit, and it's it's quite disappointing because I didn't think they had that in them. No, and it's well, it's hard for me to comment, but um, I don't I don't see a lot of the NRL uh, training and things like that, especially not this time of the year, but. Um, yeah, it's, de- it's definitely not good, and uh, the body language isn't great, and uh, I guess their season has been over, I suppose, for almost a month now, so, I mean, it's different to last year in the fact that they had a lot to play for last year, but uh, and this year, obviously, that that's all been lost, probably ever since they lost to Canberra at home, which is going back about five weeks, so, uh, I mean, the injuries, and then obviously you've had Barrett leave, and you've had um, some roster changes, and some different things going on, but it's no excuse for, um, I guess, what they've dished up uh, in, in the last few weeks. And, I get, and Simmons and Cleary said as much as that last night in the press conference. So, um, 
just a season they're going to have to forget. But now they they find themselves in a wooden spoon playoff basically on on Saturday. So hopefully they can. Oh, hopefully for the Panthers' sake. Um, I'm definitely pulling for them to, to get through that one and get the result. But um, Newcastle will be pulling just as hard, I suppose, to, to avoid it. So. I tell you what this kind of shows, how much some of these teams have stalled, because from memory, they were on 16 or 18 about 10 weeks ago. Well, they've won one from their last seven. Well, there you go. That basically, and, you know, middle of the year, I was thinking about teams like them and Canberra and a couple of sides that were near the eight and how they've just all stalled. Like, it's usually four or five teams really fighting to get in, but this is the first time in a long time uh, that bottom end of the eight was basically decided, and instead of the wooden spoon basically being between two teams or just having a clear-cut favourite. We had five teams on the weekend gridlock for the wooden spoon instead. So the difference between the teams playing finals and the teams down the bottom is massive. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. But I think if you have a look at uh, raw statistics, it's actually one of the closest competitions ever. Oh, 100% so, as well. Yeah. It's a funny situation. Yeah. I think... Yeah, funny year. I just think... The teams right at the top are probably... Um, yeah, next level. Yeah, rather than... Uh, well, and then obviously you've got some at the bottom. You've probably got, you've probably got five or six at the bottom that are just as bad as one another at the moment. Um, you know, you look at... Oh, who you got? you got Penrith, the Tigers, Newcastle, the Warriors. Um, even Canberra, I suppose, have um, slipped off the boil and then you throw the Titans in um, to that mix. But, you know, even the Titans beating the Dragons, I think the Dragons have been have performed like a bottom four side probably for the last two or three months. Um, I know they've, they won a few in a row um, over the last couple of weeks, but they definitely haven't showed that early season form, which is what's going to land them in the eight. Um, but, yeah, it's been a strange, strange competition. 100%. Uh, what was your best or who was your best team, player, whatever? Uh, Anthony Milford. Best player, I think, and frustratingly, Dave Taylor. He was very good um, for the Titans. Probably the first time this year of um, you never catch me saying that, but mm. he, he was very good on Sunday. And uh, Milford was just outstanding, and so was Hunt. Yeah. Not far behind him Thursday night. They they dismantled uh, South. Well, I put uh, three down. I had the Broncos halves pairing because much the same. I couldn't separate. Um, Hunt had a challenge thrown down to him by the coach and obviously Walters that they wanted him to lift it up and he certainly did. He scored a hat-trick. He set a couple up. Milford just looks majestic now playing at six. Uh, they've made that transition so smooth for him and he must be so mature as well. Like the way he, he kind of handles all, all the TV interviews and the bits and pieces, he's almost like a robot, but when he's on the football field, he has the perfect balance right now. He's not just that electric kid that we saw in Canberra. Uh, he has blended that in with his fantastic play, and he's just so poised. And um, particularly some of the short passing, some of the short passing he's laid on over the last six weeks is just—it's top class. It's—it's it's better than most. Oh, I was just about to say, I think he doesn't really like he does have a long pass in him, but most of the work Bennett's done and Walters have done with him is obviously short passing. Yeah, because his short passing game has improved out of sight um, over the season. So. Uh, well done to him. Hopefully he can maintain it for for Brisbane's sake, that's for sure. How good is it, though, just to see that, that switch flick when he looks like they're going to a set play? When things break down, though, he can just make something happen. He's got the absolute perfect well, that's, balance. That's the, beauty of, that's the danger of him and the fact that 
He's now got a short pass. He's got a decent long pass. Uh, and he can run the ball, and he can just make something from nothing. Mm. So, and short kicking is an upside too. Some of the short kicking I've seen um, is, is much better. And Ben Hunt, you could say, is pretty similar. We all know how dangerous he is taking the football to the line, but he's usually better when there's chaos as well. Like he, his set stuff is getting a lot better, but chaos seems to suit both of them. Yeah. So the fact that they've got both sides kind of in tune, um, a good nine, and then you got Boyd, like who's always a good second fiddle. He usually sums up short sides really, really well particularly when he gets involved in the back line. Um, the bits and pieces are there nice, and obviously injury-wise, they're not really affected. They lost Maguire, which uh, is a big loss, but they've more than made up for it. Um, in particular, I think Mitchell Dodds, I think he's been playing really, really well for him off the bench. So, Well, that's um, the reason why I'm warming to them. Firstly, because they're fit um, and, and fairly fairly healthy with a lack of any real injuries, and um, they've, they've got close to the best defence in the comp. So, you know, the only thing that really... What makes me like the Broncos more is the fact that the probably they got less injuries than the Roosters. Um, but you're splitting hairs there. I just think they're, they're clearly, at the moment, the best two sides. Yeah, well, like I said, you can argue all day about it. I'm still sticking with the Roosters, but there's no doubt those two, in particular now, I saw exactly what I thought, that the Cowboys would struggle more without Morgan on the weekend. They just threw a blanket over Thurston. We'll touch on that more later on. My best, like I said, I agree with you on the halves, but Roger Tuivasa Sheck. Um, I'm not even going to go into details or words because I've said it way too many times this year. I think as good as Thurston's been, I reckon Sheck's been the best player in the comp this year. Um, I know he won't win the Daly M, but if you want to just look at pure numbers, week to week, the dirty yardage stuff, just everything that bloke does, I think he is the best footballer in the game. Yeah, well, it's hard to argue. He's clearly the best fullback in the game. At the oh, moment. 100%. Uh, oh, I'd, I'd go as far to put him up there. I know a lot of people rap Thurston in some of these turnarounds, but if you... Told me tomorrow that I'll start in a franchise. Who could I buy first? I, I'd, I'd throw the kitchen sink to get Roger to a vast Yeah, well, is it going to be interesting next year to see the effect he has on the Warriors? Um, it's, yeah, if, if he can maintain this form and go over there, then, wow. Yeah, well, they, they um, certainly they're, need they're, it, they're don't they? Gonna yeah, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, that's for sure. Yeah, and the other one, obviously, Robbie Farrell, that was not rocket science again. Um, I see the pros and cons of this. Soon as it's, it seems funny sometimes, like he's obviously got his two years, but when you cop a rocket, like he copped this week, and I've laid the boot in a few times this year because I don't think he was playing well enough. It's funny what something uh, like this kind of week of turmoil can do for a player when your position's been challenged and your ability's been challenged. He he was circa like uh, mid, you know, mid to late two thousands there, Robbie Farr. Some of the passes, in particular that flick one for Brooks to score a try. Yeah, I haven't seen much of that stuff over the last couple of years, so it was good to see him unleash. Gordy, uh, Gordy got after him last night on the Matty John show. It was good. Still, <laughs> still plenty of bad blood between those two. Don't worry about that. Yeah, charity uh, fight. Make so it happen. Just saying, why, why has it taken him so long to perform? But hard to argue, I guess. Yeah, and that was probably my only argument. With it, the, the situation's disgraceful regardless, but... And Jason, uh, Jason Taylor would be thinking as much or I'd gather. Yeah, well, it's just funny, isn't it? I said that to a bloke today, he goes for him. He's like, oh, it's because the club told him not to play his football. I said, no, nah, that's got nothing to do with it. It's just funny what happens when someone's uh, livelihood's threatened. As soon as you threaten uh, his paycheck or his position or where he's been for so long and been so comfortable, uh, he jumped out of his skin on the weekend. It's been a long time since I've seen Robbie Farrar play at that level. Yeah. He hasn't... Yeah, probably... probably uh... Origin last year, like I thought he was, he was great in Origin last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then obviously their, their season fell away at the back end of last year, and, and never really got started this year. So. Yeah. 
Well, uh, what about your worst? Isaac Luke. Yeah. What was going through his head? I, I, don't, I just don't get it. I, well, Charlie Gubb was Charlie Gubb. I thought was almost the Warriors' best player against the um, Tigers, and well, it wasn't hard because there weren't many of them out there having a go. But yeah, that was just dumb. He, he came up with two shoulder charges as well. Willie Mason's dumb as well. Like he. He put on a shoulder charge, and I just thought, well, you got done for He's one. one only, what, a fortnight ago? I just don't get it. Like, the Isaac Luke one, in the fact that it's been widely spoken about it, about the effect he has on that side and how important he is to to their premiership defence, and then he goes and does that. Michael Maguire must just have banged his head against a wall after yeah. that. I mean, they're, just, they're self-destructed now. Mate, that it's been, The majority of what's happened to them has been... Um, self-inflicted. Yeah. Uh, I know they've had their injuries, but take all that aside, you know, the suspensions and the, the poor form, a lot of it's just been errors and penalties and just poor discipline. Yeah. And a lack of desire. 100%. And uh, I've said it in the middle of the year and I stick by my statements and the information that I got, uh, he just, him and Maguire don't see eye to eye. And it was almost like a parting shot somewhat that, you know, yeah, this you're is... you playing for the coach. Like, yeah, that was basically... I'm a coach. I'm a, I'm a coach and... You know, there's no, no better feeling than having players play for you, but in the end, you're not out, you're not out there on the field. And as simple as that, as much as people want to talk about how good coaches are, they, they don't go out on the field. And you don't have players that want to play for each other and want to stick together and have a cohesive team. And you've got nothing, regardless of the players you've got out there, the quality of player. But it's just, it's, um, it's um, I unbelievable. I just, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, well, that that to me was almost. He's just come back from. Yeah, from you know, the suspension. suspension. They're a week away from finals, and he does that. But like and I the said, game was gone. it was almost like the ultimate parting shot. He scored that try moments earlier, then he did that. It was basically almost like a sign-off to Maguire. Um, you know, like I said, oh, yeah, I, I stick cool. by my messages for the bad blood during the year, and him having enough, and that being the reason for the separation. But it would just almost well, we've, seem we've got, our, we've got our sources on that. They're spot on. Yeah, and like I said, it they, just they're it's... Not, they, they haven't been getting along. They weren't getting along last year. No, but like I said, you get the comp, everything kind of comes to a boil. This year, it's just, it's worn. And another thing um, that's pretty obvious is when young kids get grand finals fairly early, you saw uh, a bit of a hangover in some of those younger blokes this year. And especially, like I said, the two Burgess brothers, they were going to be key uh, with the changing in that forward pack. And the only decent game I can really wrap them for was that one game against the Cowboys. And um, a few people got angry, but what happened a week later? They rolled over and the Bulldogs absolutely murdered them. So... Um, well, and the Broncos, who have been criticised recently for giving up a lot of yards in the middle. Yeah, being too over. small. And you know what? I argue with that already. I I don't have no problem with that as long as you defend in your red set, which they do. When they no, get in the red... I don't either, but it just proves that, like, how poorly they're going. Oh, 100%. Right. And you take John Sutton now with injured GI, does he come back? Um, they, they basically... Well, I've, got be, I've, got to be br- I've got to be brutally honest again. I don't think John Sutton going that well. No, he hasn't been going that I well either. I think he's just lazy in, in, the, in some of the, the little things in the game that I'll look at. But, I, I would have been you know, starting Grebsmill. I'm big on, I'm massive on Grebsmill. So, and he was probably close to their best play the other night, in my opinion. Um, he yeah. crashed over, he almost went over again. They took the ball out of his hands. The fact that he sits on the bench and he's been dropped the New South Wales Cup um, is quite laughable to me. Uh, if... If I was Grebsmill when they went into negotiations, I don't know what he stayed for or what he must be happy there, but I would have been almost thinking about going, to be honest. Oh, really? Oh, but, um, really 
Yeah, if, he, if he's not starting, if he's not starting next year, I'd be quite surprised. Um, yeah, I'm very, very bothered by that. But uh, then you hear the word about Michael Maguire and Newcastle, and their CEO come shut that down today, saying that he's not getting a release, and so it's it's hard to make deal of that situation. Well, but it's also it's also hard to come out and say he's not getting a release until he comes an arsehole. Yeah, well, that's the you other thing. Want to, you don't want to coach there, and you don't want to play there, but. Yeah, doesn't want to be there. Doesn't want to be there. So I don't. I, I, I take it. I take it from the side so far that it's basically Newcastle um, have spoke to his manager, which they're you know they're rightful to do so, and him probably being none the wiser or maybe being informed from his manager. But yeah, I'm still doubtful, much like yourself, that um, he's approached the club at all. Yeah, but, uh, that, and, and it'd be disrespectful to do so until the season had finished or at least their season finished. Yeah, um, the biggest fish to fry in that regard. Yeah. Well, we'll move on uh, from that kind of stuff. My worst from your shoulder charges situation, mine was just Penrith and the Warriors. I don't want to go into any detail. I think it sums itself off. The Warriors have basically just quit um, over the last month since the Sean Johnson situation's happened. I don't know uh, what's going to happen with Mick Fadden or that club. Obviously, things are looking good for next year, but there's been murmurs, and we've heard out there about Cleary going back and other bits and pieces. But until more things develop, there's nothing really to talk about. And then the Penrith side of things, like I said, I'm just more disappointed looking at other sides like the Titans who have had issues all year and just don't have the setup or the, or the culture there at the moment. But I think they've had a better year all around, um, if you, you ask me personally, because they've just fought and they've kept fighting. And um, it was just, I, I think Penrith, much similar, have just quit over the last couple of weeks. So uh, it's, it's just disappointing, that's all. But uh, we'll leave the Fast Five and the questions for now. The Fan Forum, like we said, just because we're giving a bit of juice for them to come through. We'll quickly go through the views of the games from the week that was. Um, kicking off with that Broncos-Souths game, 47-12. to 12. It was just a Broncos masterclass. Absolutely ridiculous. Some of the long-distance tries, especially the one off the kickoff, was brilliant. Um, the halves were outstanding. I, I thought it was uh, it was a pretty close game. Those first three tries came against a run of play. The fact that they were like intercepts or um, from kicks or deflections or whatever. But after that... Yeah, quit, and the Broncos just ran all over them. Um, so, uh, you know, just where Souths are at, oh, I can't believe they, they're where they're at, it's particularly after watching them over that first month of the competition where they just hammered everyone. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy how, how far they've fallen. And this is why at the start of next year, there'll be a team that'll do the same thing every year. There's a team that just starts on fire. It's been Melbourne recently, hasn't it? They, they usually start. The two years previous, they started 8-0 or 6-0 or something, and everyone says, oh, who's going to beat Melbourne? But they haven't been able to maintain that run for whatever reason. And yeah, well, depth is a big that, difference. Whoever that tie is, 99% of the time they fall over because it's impossible to maintain that momentum throughout the whole 30 weeks of the comp. Yeah. And Melbourne, I think, self-explanatory. They're not the side they were, obviously, during the cheating years, and then they got through 2012 and got that competition, and age is a factor now. Um, I think they're doing a good job bringing up some of the younger blokes, but, yeah, when it's that turnaround, like you said, you look at them losing Burgess, losing Teo, um, a bit of a couple of young blokes getting rings so early on, a bit of motivation changes, uh, Maguire's ruthless aggression training ethic and just his nature probably wore war on a few blokes. You can already see that from Isaac Luke and um, it just hasn't been as a productive year. And three years prior to that, they made a step further every single year until they got where they needed to be. Um, and yeah, this just seems like that, you know, the result of a, a grand final hangover. It's it's year number four after those three seasons of finally getting to the trophy and it's just hit a flat spot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 
But they, they now can't finish top four, or they or can they still finish top four as They can, but they need to beat the Broncos. So them and the Sharks both need no, to... No, they need to beat... They need to beat... Just don't play. Just need to beat the Roosters. Yeah, because the Sharks for and against is horrible, and they're both... And they need who to lose. They need the Bulldogs, Sharks to lose. They're both got worse for and against, so it doesn't matter. If they win, oh, okay. they get the spot. If the Sharks win... Uh, and the Rabbitohs lose, they will get the spot. And us, me, and the Bulldogs. No, 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 no. I, yeah, hang on. I don't think. Nah, Storm and the Bulldogs are on two points less. Storm need those two to lose, and they will two get the spot. Less, two points less than who? Sharks and the Rabbitohs. They're both going for fourth. But if they both lose, Melbourne. Well, I'm pretty sure Sharks are. Hang on. Nah, Sharks no, are. South, South are seventh. They're seventh. So they're on the same points as Melbourne, are they? They're on 30, Dogs are on 30, Storm are on 30. Yeah. And the Sharks are on 32. So basically, Sharks win that through. Yeah. Um, but then you've got... Melbourne. You say the Sharks lose, which I think... I don't... if the Dragons get beat, I think Manly will beat the Sharks. I don't know whether they're going to be able to beat them by... No. Nah, I don't um, think I don't think there's going to be a 60-point turnaround. But and then you look at the four and against, and Melbourne have got 112. Yeah. Melbourne's um, the best four and against. Dogs, 38, and Rabbitohs, 28. So, who do Melbourne play? The Broncos. So, yeah. yeah you're going to need... So, so the Rabbitohs need the Sharks to lose and the Storm to lose, basically. Melbourne are going to want to win because they're going to want to and finish... And to beat the Roosters. Melbourne are going to want to win regardless to finish fifth, so they get the Dragons, at worst case, week one, five versus eight. Yeah, and, and we're hearing that... Um, well, I know that I'm hearing that uh, Bennett's going to rest some players as well. So Yeah, so I'm hoping that either we jag fourth spot and get two bites or we get fifth because we don't, I don't want to play the Bulldogs. That's the team yeah, I don't I, I reckon you. I reckon there's still a chance of get, getting that top four spot. But yeah, well, I'm not too uh, confident. If that, not that loss, what about I heard a stat that they've lost six games against teams. Yeah, coming 15th or 16th. Or 16th. The yeah, ridiculous. Um, and then I looked back oh. at that, that Cowboys game where we lost by the field goal. Uh, the the one that really irks me and it still bothers me, even though we didn't have our origin plays, was that Parramatta game. Because I thought that try on full time was a try. Oh, I can't remember back that far. But... Well, I think it might have been Maher or somebody. I didn't blow up at about the time because I thought, you know, they called it on the field. They made a quick decision. But I honestly thought there was there was some credibility to it being a try. We lost on full time. Um, it was still in the origin period. So that's why I basically didn't win because our players weren't there. But... Thinking back to it now, that was a pretty pretty bloody important loss. And then the Tigers won. I, I basically wasn't going to watch it. I listened to it on the radio because it wasn't on TV live, and we were up 10-0 instantly. I said, I'm not even going to bother. And then when it came yeah. on live and I watched the game, we got towed up. So yeah. we just had a really bad attitude, especially having so many younger guys now in there with those um, older fellas. I think they're trying to get that culture across to them because they've been really lackluster in a few games that they basically just expected to win, and they didn't. It's hard to argue. That's, I think it's pretty obvious because some of those older yeah. blokes haven't shirked the task, but in those other games, particularly our young forward pack, they've been really disappointing um, in that Newcastle game, that Tigers game. There's a lot of games like that that just spoke of uh, you know that younger kind of younger kind of player in the game and the attitude they had towards it because our forward pack really lacked in all those kind of games that basically saying that they were uh, you know they were gimmies and, and they weren't. Yep. Um, but. Yeah, going back to that game because we got a, a little bit off track here. I just the, one thing even from the start that kind of got me. I love Dylan Walker, but he doesn't have a fullback's fitness, and you, you signed Johnston to stay to play that position. So why didn't he play fullback? 
Um, and then, like I said, Grevesmill. Grevesmill plays back row instead of Sutton. He is that kind of smash-mouth player, like a Teo or a Burgess. Every time he's on the paddock, they look so much better when they can play to that edge instead of having two ball players. So, again, I'm there's a few little small things as well as all those other bits we spoke about being, uh, you know, a little bit less hungry, having some, some issues and bits and pieces. But we just need to focus on the real deal here, which was the Brisbane Broncos. They're absolutely outstanding. The halves were brilliant. Um, I thought Hodges had a really good game. Everybody played well, but it's just it's those little bits and pieces. Wallace and Dodds have done a job since Maguire's gone out. They've seamlessly taken uh, that rotation and done a great job. Well, what else can you say about them? They were brilliant. They just absolutely ran right. And the, the highlight of the night was that Corey Oates try. That was ridiculous. Well, he was the one that I wanted to highlight. That was an underrated performance um, from him. And he's hard to, hard to see him not being a superstar in the future. He's, he's a big body, and he's he's played a little bit of back row. He's played a bit of centre. He's played a bit of wing. Yeah, so I think he's I think he's a back row. He's a back row. Yeah, but, but the fact that they can put him in there and he can do the job on the wing is uh, it is awesome. Yeah, I'm going to throw it out there. Too. I'm going to throw it out there. They're talking next year about Copley and Carr who playing centre. Uh uh-uh. uh he's my centre. Yeah, I haven't thought, thought that far ahead. But, oh, I just uh, I thought about it last week, and I, I got way too much time as far as football because basically everything I care about. But uh, that popped in my head that argument about those two, and I thought if he's another one who's there, he's not going on the wing. I'm playing him at centre. I'm not playing Oates or Copley. Why couldn't put him into the back row and play Alex Glenn in the centre somewhere? Yeah, I think Alex Glenn's too valuable on that edge and probably not as mobile. I think if anyone's probably better on that edge, it'd be Gillette. I like Gillette when he used to play in the centres. Yeah. But he gets through a bucket load of work that goes unnoticed. He's actually had a really good year um, without getting too many raps, Matchelet. Yeah, no, yeah. Definitely. So they've just been outstanding. They've played above their weight. They've overachieved. Um, we both had question marks at the start. They've well and truly exceeded our expectations. I think we both had them at yeah, ninth. I, I, didn't, I didn't have them in my eight. No, neither of us did. We both had them at ninth and said that the roster was basically the same. We don't know about Milford. Boyd had his Achilles, so there was too many questions um, that needed to be answered with basically the same roster. But Bennett stoked the fire. The Broncos basically are his club. He's built this club. He's gone back and he's ignited it year one. Um, he's transformed Anthony Milford. He's brought the best out of Hunt. He's reju- rejuvenated all those young guns that we just looked at it for so many years, saying, why aren't you doing better? You should be doing better. And look at it. It's almost turned into a minor premiership. They're probably going to fall one step short. But my God, um, Justin Hodges said today he didn't expect that they'd be um, vying for the Premiership or in such a position year one, but uh, full credit to Wayne Bennett. He's done an absolutely outstanding job. Yeah, no, he has. No, no argument there. And they're going to play the Storm this week. Uh, big match for the Storm, not so much to gain for the Broncos. So I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if he does rest some players. South Sydney, they play the Roosters. I I don't know if the Roosters would be thinking of a similar ilk. I think they'll want to absolutely pummel their rivals and get their 12th win in a row heading into the finals. So. Yeah, they're, they're not going to want to lose any momentum. No, I I'd be expecting them to want to dish it out. But we go to them. They beat Manly Friday night 46-10. This is another one. Uh, it was 16-6 at half time, but I still felt that they had much the better of this situation. Boyd Cordner, he's been in outstanding form. Um, I thought Hastings was pretty solid, but Maloney controlled things. There was a few straight kicks, but the second half was just an absolute bloodbath. Um, I, I just couldn't believe it. Hat-tricks for both the wingers. You, you couldn't say there was really a bad player on the field for them. Their bench in particular, again, when they bring their bench on, it's ridiculous how good their bench is. Yeah, well, there's plenty of questions raised about the Roosters and their depth and 
how they go without Pierce and Warrior Hargreaves, well, they entered it. They shared uh, the load. They dismantled, yeah, they dismantled Manly and ended Manly's season, basically. And it was... Uh, at, at Brookvale and on an emotional night uh, on the back of... Yeah, Jeff Toomey. I think it was a pretty short turnaround as well for the Roosters, so... Um, you know, it was only a six-day turnaround, so... Mm. Uh, and then having obviously to deal with the fallout and the tough game against the Broncos, uh, it was it was a, a very very good performance. And this speaks to my theory that I had when we spoke about the Sharks a couple of years ago, and everyone said they're done now without Gallon. I thought they'll do better because there's a couple of blokes who are going to get their opportunity now. And it seemed the moment Jared went off last week, Boyd Cordner and Aiden Guerra just grew another a leg. The both of them said, "We've got this. We're taking this on our shoulders." Um, yeah, and then, if anything, when you like when you watch those two anyway, they. They could do with more ball, so I think yeah. if anything, it's just going to allow them to get that. Well, that's exactly what happened. The Roosters are just—they're just blessed with options. There's so many good players in their team. Yeah, but that's what I mean. You get more of the pie, and we saw that with the Sharks. When I said when Gallon got hurt a couple of years ago, people said they're done. I said they're going to go better because Wade Graham's finally going to get some footy. Fafita's going to get more ball, and what eventuated was Fafita playing Origin and Wade Graham finally getting some credit that he deserves and uh, it, it's continued to grow more and more. He gets a lot more football the last two years after that situation, so I think this is pretty similar. And the bench was the right. same. Liu, all those guys, uh, Napa, Evans, they all wanted to come on and prove that they could make a solid contribution. So they're not sitting there twiddling on their thumbs going, oh, we lost Jared. They're all going, good. We're going to take the front foot. That means I get a bigger slice of the pie. Let's run with it. And uh, they definitely look hungry. That's the main thing. They're, they're getting hungry at the right time of year. Last year, they kind of stuttered their way in and, and almost still got to the grand final playing in second gear. But it, it really looks like that 2013 fire has been stoked again. And um, I've got massive raps on Trent Robertson. And especially the way he talks to the media. Some of the coaches give you absolutely nothing. Some of the interviews I've heard from him, it, it's just refreshing to hear somebody actually give uh, a little bit in the press conferences or when I heard him on Triple M. Uh, yeah, it, it's just very rare. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, he's outstanding with the media, and uh, him and him and Bennett, clear, like clearly the the two coaches of the year, are tight splitting. Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you there. I think people uh, have floated Flanagan, given their situation and their turnaround, but I no don't. Way. I don't see no if you're going to look at a team for a turnaround, it'd probably have to be the Broncos, given situation. But then you could give merit to Robinson potentially winning three minor premierships in a row. So. Um, I, I think it'd be hard hard to split those two, so I'm, I'm with you there. But as we said, the Roosters, they play their rivals, the Rabbitohs, this week. I'm expecting an absolute bloodbath. Manly, they need almost a 60-point turnaround, as in they need to win by 20 or 30, and they need the Tigers, who are actually the Dragons' bogey side, to do a number on the Dragons. So they have very slim finals hopes, but I think the Sharks will probably get the cash in that one but Saturday kicked off speaking of the Sharks they played the Parramatta Eels I uh, only got to see the highlights of this one but uh, from all word they, they kicked off things with a bit of a lead the Sharkies there skipped away and got reeled back in after being up 12 and it was 2010 half time and then second half they almost blew it Parramatta uh, have been pretty good the last few weeks showing some fight but I um, in the yeah, end Parramatta are no mugs and I think I think the Sharks were bad I don't think Parramatta were were tough, and I think Parramatta probably should have won the game, but uh, Parramatta's problem is that they play such good football, but then they, they'll they come up with just five or ten minutes of just terrible, yeah. terrible football with Kills a lot them. of errors, and they just kill themselves, basically. Um, you know, and, and that was the story, again, of this of this game. Uh, frustrating for Parramatta fans, but 
the, the positive thing is that if they can correct that, and it's not a massive thing to have to correct, they're going to obviously gain some experience with both Scott and Kieran Four and going there next year. Uh, and they'll get, obviously, Watmo back. Mick and, Gordon. Yeah, they'll get Mick Gordon. I think that seniority is what they need in those uh, tough periods of the game because at the moment they just lose composure they lose direction. I thought Corey Norman was outstanding, but uh, for the Sharkies, uh, Mick Ennis was out of this world. It's the effect he's had on that footy side and the fluency he's got with the halves and uh, just the, the general combinations he's built um, is testament to the, the ability of the bloke. So, uh, and it's funny that you, you can hear him. Well, I've heard him comment uh, about the fact that he should have done it earlier. Mm. Um, the change has actually done him some good. Uh, out of the Bulldogs but well it's funny because uh, at the start of the year I didn't think it was a good move maybe long term just because they gave away potentially the next best hooker but I don't think we, neither of us disagreed with the fact that you want to talk about culture or the way they play their football it suits Mick Innes to the ground yeah the Sharks well, no, are basically no, no, no. built for a hooker or a player of Michael Innes' ilk he fits in so well yeah um, he was outstanding like I said from the bits and pieces I saw it was the same two names I say every week, and people may get sick of hearing it, but Wade Graham, um, again, he was brilliant. Well, Wade, I think Wade Graham was man of the match, I think, um, or it might have been McKenna's, but there was a split hair between them. Uh, and Corey Norman, I thought, was outstanding for Parramatta. Um, so, yeah, it was. I love that. I love that daytime slot. That, oh, that's it's outstanding. More often than not, if you have a look at the, the games um, throughout uh, the season, I think, Probably at least fifty percent of them have been, uh, or the or the best games of the season have been that time slot. Yeah, for entertainment factor, they're, they're always open games. And, yeah, um, I've really really enjoyed that time slot being a permanent fixture this year. That's why I usually have enjoyed when that's been the Raiders or the Cowboys or someone getting that early game because I know bathed in sunshine on a dry track that you're going to see some football, um, and it's. Yeah. I know it's probably. Not, I don't think it is one of the better rating games, but if you if you're out there, you've got to make an effort to watch that game because that that's the reason I love that one and Sunday football most of the time because daylight is conducive to some good footy. There's no dew, um, you know. Most of the time they don't have that kind of breeze and that bit of wetness on, on the ground and the ball being slippery. Those sunny daytime games are absolutely outstanding, especially when you get the teams that aren't so structured like the Raiders. Uh, you know, when the Tigers like to throw the footy around, we saw that against the. The Warriors there on Sunday. Those games are the best when they're bathed in sunshine. And you've got good football teams. Yeah, agreed. It's um, yeah, and Valentine Holmes kicking another field goal. That kid. Um, I know Mick Gordon's been outstanding. Given the little down patch in the middle of the year and some troubles with the club, I think he's been fantastic. But I'm really looking forward to seeing Valentine Holmes next year move back to fullback. And um, well, I'm looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to Mick Gordon going to Parramatta and playing fullback there. I think that. Yeah. That's going to be interesting as well. They really um, need that. Yeah, they, they do. And he'll be a uh, great he'll, mentor. It'll, fit in, it'll complete. That's right. It'll complete that uh, sort of spine there, and if they can get every, keep everyone on the field. It's going to be scary uh, to think what they could potentially do next year, Parramatta. And they've got the perfect setup because not only did they get Mick Gordon probably on the cheap too, which is a fantastic buy, but you get Kieran Moss from Penrith who's had his path blocked, um, and he had some injury troubles this year. I bet you they got him on the cheap as well. So he'll learn from Mick Gordon. And then they've got a fantastic kid that they re-signed for three years in their 20s, Bevan French. So you want to talk about the chain of command there. You've got a kid that won in the under-20s, has been dominant in the New South Wales Cup, will now play under Mick Gordon, who 
who may only have a year or two left and has been an outstanding servant uh, to all clubs he's played at. And then you've got a gun 18-year-old in Bevan French. So they've got a nice chain of command. And that's the thing. You need to be rolling production and talent in those key positions. It's good to see they got that sorted at fullback because they certainly screwed up um, the last couple of years as far as the halves. Ryan Madison going, um, Docker Clay leaving. So they've had some good junior rep halves and they've let them go. But it's good to see that they look like they've got their fullback stock sorted out. Yeah. Well, they needed to. Absolutely. You know, with Hayne leaving and... That's a massive hole. Uh, well, exactly. Um, so they sort of spread their money out and bought themselves some depth, which uh, makes sense. Yeah. And hopefully Nathan Peets and Kaiser Pritchard stay healthy next year because I think the nine spot was looking pretty good and Degoyce being, uh, you know, the old spack feel when needed. But I liked what I saw of Pritchard, but he's had a, a shock run, <clears throat> much like Peets has as far as injuries are concerned. So... Um, you know, those kind of positions, if they stay healthy, along with Foran coming to join in there with uh, Corey Norman, who's just gone to another level. I'm not a big fan of Luke Kelly, but uh, fingers crossed next year they don't have to rely on bringing him in too often to first grade. But good effort by the Sharkies. They get Manly this week, top four spot on the line. I expect them to get the job done. And the Eels, they play the Raiders. A bit of a nothing game, but if they play like they have been playing, I have no doubt they can uh, probably upset Canberra. That Canberra showed last night that they're obviously keen to finish the year on a high, so that should be a decent game of football. Well, it's, I think it's also Ricky Stewart's first game back at Parramatta Stadium. Yeah, that should be interesting. Uh, yeah. Good times. Ricky. Uh, we've got 2018, the Dogs versus the Knights. I thought this was a good game of football. This was a really good game of football. It was tough. Tough game. It was always going to be with the uh, old boys' day and... Um, you know, obviously farewell for Kirk Kidley, but I thought the Bulldogs started a little bit slow, but uh, they eventually wore the Knights down, and it was sort of the game that I probably expected it to be, I, I guess. No, man, I'm with you there. Um, I thought that when Hodkinson went down as well, they handled that pretty pretty good, considering the circumstances. Uh, they got into the grind. They looked a bit lost the first 20 of the Doggies, but when they went back to doing what they do best, which is playing big, um, you know, Cassiano, Pritchard, these guys, Timmy Brown was pretty fired up on the day. And Damien Cook, he's come in and just jumped on the back of that philosophy. He likes you to just jump out of marker and play direct. So he's probably straightened their forwards up, if anything. So um, I thought he had yeah, another... He's been, he's been excellent. Yeah, mate, I think, if anything, that's kind of given him a little bit of a shot in the arm. Um, I, like I said, I'm a big big fan of Leisha, but he kind of struggled to fit in until they went moving forward. But um, he's a little more creative. But Damien Cook, he doesn't mess around. When there's a quick play the ball, he just takes off. And he takes the markers out, and he just likes to play straight over the advantage line. So um, he's not messing around. He's taking those forwards to where they need to go. Yep. <laughs> he's, uh, especially in two games. Again, like to build that sort of fluency and to look so comfortable in that position after he, he hasn't ever really got a crack there, has he? I he's mean, played he's one, or, one or two games, I think, but he's been there for two years training full time. So. Exactly. So, yeah. But I'll tell you, uh, in and he's, he's probably made the side look better, to be honest. And I have to say it again, I've, I've, I'm, I'm backing myself. I've been calling it for a couple of years. Anyone that listens to us religiously, I said last year that he should have been playing fullback for him uh, when they brought him over. And you saw the reason why when he got that into the space there and he burned Jake Mamo. That boy can run. Um, he uh, is a fantastic footballer and he's been underappreciated for a couple of years now. I can't believe he hasn't been playing first grade. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know enough about him. Obviously, you do. But uh, from what I've seen, I, I'd find it difficult 
for him to not be playing first grade next year or um, if not at the Bulldogs, somewhere else. Well, that's the thing I was thinking about the other day. Who needs a number nine? And sadly, the one I looked at, um, and I do love Nathan Peets, but broken neck, knee reconstruction, shoulder reconstruction. If he had issues, if I'm Parramatta, I, I might be knocking on the door for Damien Cook. Yeah. Um, well, why not for a bit of depth? They're one club. But that's the thing. I think it's past that point. My next deal, if I'm Damien Cook, I've moved a couple of times and been blocked out. Uh, he, he's a first grader. And I, I was adamant last year when they didn't have a fullback that he was going to be the man. But Hasler didn't do it after, you know, that magical run with the cutters, which is why he noticed him. He played the last six games there for Mary McGregor when they had no one left and won five men in the match awards. He's an all-round gun footballer. He can make 50 tackles if you need him to, or he can play fullback. He can ball play. Uh, he reads the ruck fantastically. Uh, he's just he's a footballer. He's an outstanding footballer. Yeah. Poor old Newcastle, I'm not going to argue with you, buddy. Yeah. Poor old Newcastle. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not their biggest fan. I have laid the boot in, but I'm still going to be a bit of a buzzkill in the fact that it's all well and good to fire up now, and Bedsy's a filling coach, but if he took the job full-time, uh, like I said last week, I think this effect right now would wear off. But, um, yeah, they've been fantastic. They've showed some heart. I think the Sims brothers, in particular Corbin, he's been playing out of his skin. Him and Cade Snowden. Uh, Bo Scott was at his grubby best. He got a couple of elbows and some faces and bits and pieces in there. So um, it's good to show, uh, see them showing some fight. But, uh, unfortunately, and Uate was probably the reason they lost the game. He, he dropped that short drop out, and then he dropped the ball again at the end. So... Couple yeah, of errors. That, that, it was costly. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, put it to bed. But uh, you know, it's it's good. It's good to see them showing some effort. And I look before with the odds. They're the outsiders against Penrith. I'm sorry, but I'm loading up on Newcastle. Where? I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I... I'm back in the Knights. Penrith are getting the spoon. Oh, that'd be massive. Yeah, it would massive. be massive. Massive turnaround from two years where they've had injuries in both. But like, that's what I mean. It's. It's a bit of a culture shock because you'd not expect... I didn't expect them to go make top four again and kick on like they did last year, but you'd expect them to handle it better, which is why I'm a bit disappointed with Penrith. But uh, honestly, from what I've seen, if uh, they dish that up against a side like the Bulldogs who are contending, I think they might do a number on Penrith this week. If they still carry that fight, uh, it could be very ugly for Penrith, a very ugly way to finish the year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, I just hope for Penrith's sake that they don't have to um, they don't have to cop the spoon. I guess someone someone's got to get it. I don't think Penrith deserve it, but then again, you look around and uh, I think Newcastle were probably the worst team for the longest part of this year. Oh, hundred percent. Like they went on that big run, so I think that probably deserves to be if you look at the whole season. But then again, I think Penrith have only won one of their last seven, so. Uh, I mean, it comes down to one game. I think the Titans and the Eels played off the spoon a few years ago, um, and the Titans unfortunately got it. Uh, look, it's it's not a situation that either side want to be in, but uh, it's a reality now, so they've got to deal with it. And um, you know, I, the comments in the press last night were pretty positive from Penrith and the fact that they've, they've acknowledged it and realised that they've got to go out and do a job this weekend. I, in terms of who. Who will win? Who knows? They've both been so inconsistent that um, on exposed form, I, I think Newcastle have probably been playing the better footy, but that's not going to stand for much um, come Saturday, especially with Penrith's issue, as I said before, is probably the fact that their season's been over for four or five weeks 
and they've been floundering a little bit, um, this will give them some added motivation. So yeah, they shouldn't have got uh, to this yeah. point because teams like the Titans and all these guys, their seasons have been over as well. So that's yeah, that's I, why I'm more disappointed. I expect better from the culture. I don't think the Titans, are, the Titans season never really got started. Is probably my point. Um, whereas Penrith had high expectations, and uh, you know, having their season ended with five or six weeks still to play probably took some air out of their tyres. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens this weekend. Yeah, well, they're playing the Knights and the Dogs. They're playing the Warriors. who have been dreadful, so that should be an absolute bloodbath uh, if you're going to go off the form line that the Dogs, oh sorry, that the Warriors have given. But Super Saturday wrapped up with the Melbourne Storm bouncing back. Uh, surprise, surprise! They lose to a, another guy, a team that's floundering, and they fire up against the gun side in the Cowboys. And uh, to me, this kind of gave plaudits to the, the comment that I thought that Morgan was a bigger loss because Melbourne just threw a blanket on Jonathan Thurston, uh, especially kick pressure. They did it legally, but Ryan Hinchcliffe in particular, he just made sure every time he kicked the football, he was there. Yeah, I don't think Melbourne were good. I don't think the Cowboys have been that good for the last month. I don't really think it's. Morgan, um, they're obviously Tamo's out, Scott's carrying an injury, uh, so they just hit a bit of a flat spot, I, I don't have massive concerns about them, and from what I'm hearing uh, Morgan's going to be back for the first week of the finals anyway so, yeah well, they um, need him the Cowboys, the Cowboys have uh, secured themselves a top four spot, which would have been the goal um, at the start of the year, and I, I think you'll find that they're similar to Brisbane, and that they're probably copping a hammering at training at the moment um, and they'll be tapering off uh, to this week. So I, I, if they if they put in another lay another egg this week, I'd be concerned if I was a Cowboys fan. But um, based on the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be overly concerned. Yeah, well, I know. I was about to say on the flip side of that, I, I, honestly, Melbourne were good, but I didn't think all round they were that good. There was only two blokes that stood out to me. Uh, Cameron Munster was brilliant again, and Marika Corabetti. I thought they were our best two players. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think Thurston's been down that well for the last... Nah, he's been uh, ordinary. ...month either, so, you know. And Tamalola. He's got to have a fight. He can't play good every week. We said this about South before. Yeah, but and Tamalola... Tamalola's been up for so long, and they went on that long run. I guess that's really the only concern for me with the Roosters in the fact that they've, they've won now, what, 11 in a row or something like that, or 12 in a row? 11 in a row, yeah. Yeah, so it, history tells you that it's really hard to maintain that sort of a run, so... Um, the Roosters just want to. Roosters probably want probably want to lose this week. You know they don't really want to do what they did last year and get into a top four spot, and then they lost to Penrith, and um, it just really took the air out of their season. So um, if the Roosters can go through and and win, you know win out and fifteen or sixteen straight or whatever that'll be, that'll be amazing. But, yeah, well, I think different yeah. circumstance for them this year, considering like I said last year they were basically in that grand final hangover all year, but they're just such a good side they. Still, almost got back to the grand final. Yeah, it's um, there weren't probably any other thing I got to come out of this one. That obstruction moment, a lot of people blew up about that. Um, cried Paul of Melbourne, this Melbourne, that again. What did you think about that? Uh, I, I thought it was. Uh, I, I thought it should have been a try for the reason that Cronk had Cronk initiated the contact, in my opinion. Um, but. And, and the fact that that lead runner was still behind the ball, like usually it's a no-try because the lead runner's gone through, he's in an option to get the ball, um, and then he takes out a defender, whereas I thought uh, who, it was Thurston passing to, I think, it, who was it? Who he, was the back runner? He threw the, long, he threw the long pass, but the thing is that runner had taken him out before the ball had even got past him. 
No, well, I think Cronk went into that runner. I, I don't think the runner took he, took Cronk out. I, I thought Cronk went in and initiated the contact. So, well, he was looking I in. Agree. So, I, I I thought it should have been a try, but uh, I don't have a massive problem with it. I don't think there's any conspiracy theory. No, nah, a few people cried poor, but I think you watched that game in general. They held them out for seventy nine minutes until well, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the um, wasn't the reason that. Uh, wasn't the reason they lost the game, put it that way. Nah, well, like I said, they got a constellation try on the, the old 90, 79th minute there with a kick over the top, but that, they were locked out. Um, and yeah, I, I'm more and more happy every week when I watch Cameron Munster. I was really disappointed when Billy went down. I'm a massive fan of Slater, but I tell you what, this kid, he's fantastic. He, he's, he's a really good footballer. Oh, outstanding. Yeah, and oh, I said it when he first came in that I I wouldn't write Melbourne off because I, I thought there was a lot of upside in this kid and he keeps getting better and I, I said it probably a month ago that it's scary to think that he could get better and better and better rolling into the finals and he's doing that um, and he's brought Melbourne back into relevancy I think. Uh, he's definitely not the reason they're not going to win this premiership and it was widely regarded that Billy Slater being out was that was going to be that reason but they don't have that excuse Melbourne. They're their reason for not winning this comp is going to be, uh, you know, a lack of discipline or a lack of Mate, our, uh, us, us winning the comp. Our, us winning the comp is all of our defence. It's been so up and down. Well, they just haven't been able to maintain any intensity or commitment to their defence over a long period of time. Nah, but that's that's us in our basket on the weekend. We're not going to blow any of those teams away. But if we make it ugly, drag a side down, kick well with our our two key players and. Um, get some football to Munster and get our forwards going forward. Defence will win Melbourne a comp. That's the only way they'll win the comp. Yeah, look, I, I, I think Bellamy's a finals coach. Bellamy's similar to Bennett. I think Bellamy's teams uh, usually, apart from obviously the loss last year of the Dogs and a loss in... Newcastle. 2012 to Newcastle? No, nah, 2012 we won the comp. 2013, it yeah. must have been. The yeah. last two years, we've uh, gone bang, well, bang. They were the two... Yeah, they're, they're obviously the two where they laid an egg, but uh, I, I, I firmly believe he is a finals coach, similar to Bennett. I think he'll get the best out of his team at this time of the year, uh, and I see no reason why that has changed. Um, so I look forward to watching Melbourne in the finals, especially if they finish top four. Yeah, well, I'm hoping they can, and they've got the Broncos... This week, so we'll see what happens there. The Cowboys play the Titans. That's going to be no easy game because they play football. So um, that's an interesting game for them to finish off with. But Sunday, the Tigers versus the Warriors. Well, I think the, the the Titans have now avoided the spoon. I think that, as I said before, like Penrith and Newcastle are going to have that motivation this week. I think the Titans had that motivation last week, especially in the fact that they watched the Tigers win in the earlier game and then ran out last game at home. Uh, it was old boys' day for the Titans, and there was a lot of motivation there for them to win. I think this week, really, the Titans have got nothing to play for. It's an away trip um, in a place where we rarely win, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys put a score on, to be honest. Yeah, well, we move on to the Sunday game. The Tigers, 50-16 to 16 over the Warriors. Uh, honestly, I don't really want to talk about this game. It was pretty ordinary. I thought... Yeah, well, the, uh, Tigers, the Tigers were. The Tigers were great. Um, but outside of that, yeah, it was pretty ordinary. The Warriors were awful. Uh, you know, just disappointing. Well, they just have been. They're, just, uh, they're a shell. They're, just, they're a shell. I don't know what they aim to get out of the rest of this season because 
they might as well just not turn up. Like, it's pathetic. Yeah, well, I just... There's a couple of blokes I just feel sorry for. I feel sorry for blokes like Ryan Hoffman, uh, Bodine Thompson, who I think's had a really good year. Uh, Mentoring played busted on the weekend. He didn't train at all during the week, but he still turned up and played again. So I have to give him a wrap. He's just a constant for them. And um, like you said, I thought Charlie Gubb had a go, but two brain snaps at the end just basically because their season's yeah, over. That was just took, stupid. Yeah, it was. It, it annoyed me because I thought he was their best player. Yeah, and I... I, I I don't want to take away from the 50 points and Farrah having a fantastic game, which he did, and, you know, Tedesco ran right, etc., etc. But, like, the Warriors, honestly, that basically looked like a park football game where the gun team that beats everyone by 40 um, was just having another routine week running right. The Warriors really offered nothing in that game. But, um, yeah, well, but the most, the, probably the only thing I really took out of that was how awkward the press conference was afterwards and how funny it was to see that video of, Jason Taylor entering the ground and the bloke going, thanks for ruining the club. And he said, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just like, he is under the gun. He was copping it left, right and centre. But a um, bit of a goosebumps moment, I suppose, when they were calling his name. Um, you know, there was, there was some good moments there. It was a pretty disappointing... Oh, mate, 100%. Said that when I was uh, watching the, the Penrith Junior League Grand Finals on Sunday as well, but that's a different story, but... Um, yeah, it was a good performance by the Tigers, but too little, too late. They probably dodged the spoon, but yeah, the Warriors just offered absolutely nothing. They ran right, but I, I can't take too much from it. I'll be more impressed with, uh, to see what happens this week against the Dragons, who are finals bound. They haven't been that great, but um, if anything's going to go off, I'm expecting the Tigers to win this game. Oh, I hope so. Because that, wouldn't that set up, uh, that'd set up the, uh, the Sharks? Eagles game. Yeah. Um, but, well, the Dragons have been going like busters as well, so, I, who knows, they laid an egg on, on Sunday. Uh, and the Titans, the scoreline flattered the Dragons. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we're going to get to that game, but I thought the scoreline flattered the Dragons. Big time. Yeah, well, we'll jump onto that game now. Um, the Warriors, obviously, they play the Dogs next week. If their form is anything to go by, the Dogs will smash them. Um, the Tigers, I want to see a game. A, a very good performance this week against the Dragons. So they usually do have the wood on. But speaking of the Dragons, they laid an egg 28 26 to the Titans. Um, turned up. They got their halves back together. They got Frizzell, Thompson come back. They had absolutely no excuses. They started off. And this- Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is what's uh, pretty frustrating for me. They look so good when they play through the middle. Cooper, DeBellin... Marin, everything's going so good, but just this sideways crap, their halves, they've completely changed what they were doing when they were doing uh, well earlier in the year, particularly Benji Marshall. I reckon he would have skipped sideways 15, 20 times and just turned the ball under for Frizzell. Like, do something with the ball. Yep. Did John Sutton about him. No, oh, it was horrible. And I was like, yeah, Frizzell's damaging. That's all well and good, but you're not going to win a game by turning your back around under 20 times. Yeah. It was just, yeah... Uh, it was very frustrating. Um, I feel sorry again. Like I said, I thought the forwards laid a great platform in the middle. They did a number. 
Uh, Mitchell Rain was pretty good uh, as well, and just yeah, I, I'm still struggling to put it all together because they they can't score points yet. They've got Whitop and Marshall. They got Dugan at the back. They got Rain. They got Fords that can offload. Um, their back line's probably not the flashiest, but I, I don't mind you and Aitken and those guys. So I, I'm really struggling to put things together. And to be honest, Mary McGregor's made some strange decisions the last few weeks. Uh, the Brisbane thing was the first one, playing DeBellin at halfback, and just some of their play. I, I'm a little bit iffy at the moment. Yeah, agree. Uh, agree. Um, they're blessed by the fact that they had such a strong yeah, uh, start to the season. Uh, otherwise, I. They're not a top eight side in my mind. Well, it's a bit like them. I think all that Manly probably left their run too late, and the Warriors lost Sean Johnson. Otherwise, I don't think they would be. Yeah, well, I stick by what I said before. If Manly didn't have so much crap going on that weighed everyone down, they'd be in the eight easily. Yeah. Um, but yeah. they it took them way too long to sort out all their you know they or they had a million dramas. They had landmines all over the joint. So the fact they've even got this close to getting back in the finals tells you all you need to know. If they didn't have all these issues, they probably would have been close to top four. Um, but yeah, the Dragons, yeah, lots of question marks there. But yeah, Benji Marshall, just some coach killers as well, as far as errors. One minute brilliant, and the next minute just brain snap. But the Titans, I give full credit to. Dave Taylor, though, like we said before, such a disappointment. He, he dishes these games up every so often. As we've said about Gordy, uh, just every so often, he plays a couple of games like this and he tricks you, but he's not tricking me. Yeah, well, that was his one for the season, wasn't it? So. Yep. And uh, I tell you what, there's, there's some guys that I've... Good Oh, I've enjoyed watching some development. There's just been some smart pickups, like Ignatius Parsi, a good young potential player. Depth at the Warriors, I think he's come along really, really well this year in a tough spot. So he's proved that he's a first grader and someone you can trust going forward. Nene McDonald's been... Yeah, he's been brilliant. Nene McDonald's been a great pickup from the Roosters, which is just smart business. They've, they've got a backlog of talent, so why not rate it? That's, that was just smart business. Uh, but, yeah, there's a couple of players like that um, that I was really impressed with. And James Roberts, his maturity this year, given a hard situation, this is usually where he's fallen down off the field when things aren't going well on the field as well. But he's been the opposite this year. He's been a real shining light for the Titans, along with uh, Kane Elgie, who's proved why he won that award and why he should have been playing from day dot. Um, he didn't win NYC Player of the Year in a team that come last by, you know, by surprise. He, he is a very good footballer. Well, exactly right. Exactly right. He's um, he's in nothing short of uh, outstanding. Especially he's played a lot of games without Caesar. And that's my uh, question. Been in and out, and in and out. Um, you know, people are saying, "Oh, what's he going to do next year without Caesar?" Well, he's played probably six percent of the games already without him. He beat Canberra without Caesar. Right. So um, I don't. My question is, who do you give to him first next year? I like I like Taylor. But I think Taylor's, again, on the opposite side of what I've seen of an LG. He's been in a gun side that's dominated and made all these rep teams, but I still haven't seen him take a game and win it. Um, I've seen take a LG take a game and win it, and he's proven the mental side of what you need from a young bloke come the NRL because he's come from an NYC team that got basically lapped every week. So he's never been down. He's been up um, regardless of the circumstances. So I'm looking at Tyron Roberts right now going, that's a good bit of business as well because um, I, I, don't, I don't know if Taylor's going to be good to go from day dot. Yeah, well, it's, it's a tough one, I guess. The preseason will sort all that out, but I'd probably give him time, Robert. So I guess to start the year, um, and then yeah, leave Taylor there to sort of train with the NRL and um, give him a sniff here and there. 
Well, he's uh, been be my type He's been doing it for a couple of years already at the Broncos. I don't know if Bennett thinks he's ready, but I just look at the circumstances. No, putting, putting two young halves together, like obviously Roberts is no. Yeah, but he's played no, four seasons. Up, he's played four seasons, off. almost a hundred games, so he's got experience. Yeah, and, and he was he doesn't do the job. He gets to get in. Yeah, and that's I'm more looking at like kind of like this year with LG, where I thought he was good to go, but they waited a couple of weeks before they gave him his crack. Um, I think maybe next year will start that way, and if things are looking bad, that Taylor might move in, and they try to develop things. But uh, yeah, at this point in time, I just look at the the culture he's come from. He has been with the NRL side for a couple of years, but since he's been healthy for me, shoulder Rico, they've won the comp, and then this year they're in a position to do so again. And he's had two very good football sides, whereas Kane LG's developed. Uh, I mean, basically a terrible football side and, and stood out like a broken yeah. thumb. So um, he, he's more mentally equipped, and I'm not surprised that he succeeded so early. Yeah. Uh, but the Titans, like we said, they've got the Cowboys this week. The Dragons, they've got the Tigers. Uh, we finish off with a Monday night game. I don't think there's too much that needs to be said about this one either. Canberra won 34-18, but um, they basically towered them up in the first half. Penrith grabbed a couple of tries and kind of fought back in, and, and the Raiders finished things off, but... Uh, yeah, not a good night for the Panthers. Jamie Soward, that tackle, I've seen a couple of replays. I'm a bit 50-50 on it. I know the shoulder got him in the head, but it almost looked like he went shoulder to shoulder with him and then it slipped up on his face like it was a it was a bit yeah, of... Yeah, look, he hit him in the head. Yeah, I know he hit him in the head. I'm not denying that. But it wasn't. I didn't think it was intentional. No, I think he's literally, in that moment, kind of went shoulder to shoulder and it skimmed up on uh, to his jaw. But it's not as bad as some of the other ones I've seen that were just blatant. Um he has been charged to grade two. He will get a week if he doesn't fight it. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually tried to fight it, but it all depends. There's nothing on the line for the Raiders, so if they just cop the week, it wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, I probably, I probably would just cop the week and move on. And I'm pretty sure from what I heard out of Ricky Stewart's mouth last night, regardless of what the scans say about Blake Austin's shoulder, he said he's done enough for us this year, so he's not going to play him this week anyway. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, I think it was, it was pretty good by them last night. Uh, a bit soft by Penrith, obviously. I thought Bryce Cartwright looked pretty good. He's ended up in hospital. He ruptured his spleen or something. Yeah, so, um, split a kidney or something like that. Yeah, yeah I think it was a spleen. And Jamie Soward, obviously, joined him at hospital. He was pretty crook afterwards. So uh, not not a great night for the Panthers again. Uh, a much better night for the Raiders in particular. Dave Shillington got man of the match in his last home game before he heads up to the Gold Coast. And that was probably the difference, I thought, last night and the bits I saw. Uh, the Ford Pack did a really good job. Hodgson played well again. Uh, Sammy Williams like, never gets enough credit, but he was he was very, very good along with Austin there. But, uh, yeah, I think just on a different level, they, they kind of sparked up after being flat for a couple of weeks and uh, Penrith just looked like they're really, really ready to, uh, to go on holiday after a tough year. Mm. Yeah, I was, Brandy said in the commentary that it was uh, the Darwin game all over again. It's hard to argue. That were, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the greatest spectacle to watch. I sort of... I was sitting around on my uh, on my phone more than watching it, to be honest. Um, yeah. yeah, it was not not much to say. I think Canberra. It was, I thought it was smart smart coaching from what I heard Ricky say, and the fact that he he sort of said to the boys that he wanted to start 2016 now, and that, that's the key to getting the best out of the teams that are out of contention at this time of the year. Just trying to find some sort of motivation for them and. They definitely look the more motivated, the two teams, that's for sure. Well, I think they've got a lot to take out of this year. By the end, I thought they should have made the eight, but at the start of the year, no one thought they were going to make the eight. Them and the Titans were favourites yeah. with the spoon. So, 
Um, if you want to talk well, about a development well, they're, they're the team this year. When you, there's going to be one team that you go, they won all their close games. It's probably the Sharks this year. Yeah, they lost all, all their all close, close games. games. They've lost all the close games, that's all right. Yeah. So, uh, there's always one of each in each season, and they're probably the two without um, having all the details in front of me. But just off the top of my head, they, they'd be the two that I'd come to mind, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I rattled off two weeks ago about those eight games, uh, you know, in, in depth, a couple of golden points, a couple by field goal, a couple by two points, and a couple by uh, massive leads, in particular the Cowboys and the Dragons games, which they gave up 18-point leads, so... Uh, yeah. yeah, but I think as far as development, getting Caesar, uh, finding Shannon Boyd, Paul Vaughan taking another step forward. I think they've got depth now, having Kennedy able to play in the back row, Soliola, uh, Mitch Barnett. They're, they're now really looking like a dangerous side. They've got two hookers. They've got a good fullback. Um, Leilua hasn't really panned out yet, but that was a pretty handy pickup on the cheap to join their centre depth. Um, and they've got the minor premiership in New South Wales Cup, so they're, they're definitely better off as far as depth and for this season. Yep, agreed. Uh, but they've got the Eels to finish off next week, and Penrith, like we said, battling Newcastle for the wooden spoon. That wraps up the reviews of the games. We'll do the fan forum now. We'll kick off on Facebook. Uh, Justin White, who has the best chance to beat the Roosters and Brisbane um, at the SFS or Suncorp? Both 9 from 11 this year. Well, you're looking at week one. It's most likely, I think the Sharks will win this week. They'll play the Roosters week one. Um, they've had the wood on them. I don't know whether they can do it again. But if you're going to come up with two teams, simple Sharks against the Roosters and I think Cowboys against the Broncos. Yeah, that's probably it. Otherwise, I can't really, or, or vice versa. I think the Cowboys could potentially beat the Roosters and I think the Sharks could potentially beat the Broncos. Well, uh, I think if I'm going to chuck somebody else up, uh, as far as beating the Broncos, Melbourne had an outstanding record yeah, against Brisbane, bar that one game this year. Obviously, uh, that was very early in the process of Cam remember Munster. That, uh, remember that 2008 final where G.I. scored on the bell? Yeah, well, just even the last couple of years, every time we seem to play, we do the number. And we had that ridiculous amount of dropouts early in the year, but that was early on without Billy. So uh, I think if Melbourne... Could be one team or the Cowboys to beat them there. And then, yeah, if not, uh, if you want to talk later on in the finals, if they get to week three, if the Bulldogs get through, I think the Bulldogs can beat them there again. They showed with their power game what they can do. Um, but, yeah, yeah. The, the Roosters, I think that's one obvious name, and that's the Sharks. For some unknown reason, regardless of where they are on the ladder, they always give trouble to the Roosters. Yeah, uh, exactly right. And, you know, those two wins for the Sharks are probably the reason why they're going to end up in the top four. That's right. Um, they beat them last year when they were in that horrible spot with a, you know, an ordinary team. So some teams just seem to have a bit of a hold on others. But um, Phil Bazak, who is the bigger manly sook, Hasler or Tuvi? Hasler. Yeah, I'll go Hasler. I thought that was easy, that one. Yeah. Josh Deans, how do you think Penrith's five-year pa- uh, plan is panning out? Uh, we've touched on this one before. I know it's hard to look at it this year after the amazing year last year. But that was well ahead of schedule, year three. I think the biggest thing, and I can sum this up fairly quickly, I'm sure Brock will agree, was fixing up the money side of things, the club side of things, uh, the culture, the junior development. I think all that's been fixed, and it's showing. The proof's in the pudding. They've been in the New South Wales Cup grand final the last couple of years. They didn't win the state final, but they won the New South Wales Cup. They won the under-20s. They're right up there again. Um, they're attracting good young players. they got Trent Merrin coming. Uh, I think everything's basically there in place. This year's just a blip on the radar, unfortunately, again, due to injuries. But you want to talk about all those aspects that were in absolute tatters prior. 
they're financially viable, they're well-structured, they're sound, they've got great systems, and most importantly, junior development's back on track. Penrith are dominating uh, in all competitions at junior level. Yeah. So if you want yeah, to talk about the five-year plan... Fairly simply, I think, yeah, but then again, uh, you know, I think Ivan would be the first to admit that they're not going to, like another season like the last two, or not any, or another season like this one, um, it's going to place him under some pressure, that's for sure. No coach gets two years um, of that sort of performances, particularly if they do end up um, getting the spoon. But yeah, uh, I, I don't expect them to get the spoon. I don't think they deserve it, as I said earlier. Um, you know, but it definitely hasn't been a, a successful year on the field, and, and I'm going to be the first to admit that. I think They've a little been... bit of the press, a little bit of the press this week has been a little bit like Penrith. It's been a little bit like, well, you know, Ivan Cleary or, or Penneth aren't disappointed with where they are. Like, they'd be filthy with where they are. They, yeah. they, they, they would have expected to be playing in the in the, in the top four um, and playing for a spot in the grand final this year, and it's been cruel by injuries. Um, it hasn't been through a lack of effort. So, I mean, you've got to control the controllables as a football club, and I think that's what Penneth have done. You know, like, there's 16 teams out there competing for a comp, uh, and not all of them can win it, but all of them are trying to win it, you know? So uh, I think they've controlled the controllable, and in the past they haven't done that. They've been their own worst enemy. Um, but now, they're, as you said, all the, all the off-field stuff is, is sorted, and we're in a good spot um, for sustained, sustained, sustained success. So, and that was the plan. That is the plan. It's the, the premiership thing is one side. Everyone's like, where's the comp? But there's a lot of underlying stuff, and, and being a Penrith junior, I'm not a Penrith fan. So I'm the first one who's willing to take a crack. Um, but being a Penrith junior, before all this happened, it was a disgrace. Um, and I'm happy to say that. It was an absolute joke. But it has been fixed, and it, it is more than fixed. It is in an absolutely outstanding position. They are viable um, in all competitions. And the most impressive thing is their New South Wales Cup and 20 sides are basically made up of Penrith juniors for the most part, which is how they should be. They should be viable within their own four walls, uh, at least 80% of their squads, and they basically are. So... Um, fixing that, fixing the money, fixing the culture, all those little bits and pieces, little ins and outs that you wouldn't know or wouldn't hear too much about unless you've been involved in a system or um, look, they're really in-depth with your rugby league. Uh, it, it's all there. All the groundwork has been laid. I think the most important thing is also remember that there's no Matt Moylan. Mansour's barely played. Dean Farrow uh, has been playing on the other side of the field. You've got guys out of position. Young blokes got blooded again. Their halves were nether together. Seguiaro's still injured. Um, yeah, there's just there's a million blokes. There's a, there's a lot of reasons. I'm not going to give excuses again for this year because, like I said, they've disappointed me. But the five year plan is well on track. If you want to talk about all those other aspects, the club's well set up. Yeah, yeah. and you've seen some of those older guys that were brought to the club to build the culture are now leaving. And you know, Plum Simmons, yeah, well, uh, Newton Pryor, you know, Kite. Yeah, so a lot of those guys are now retiring to give way for these younger fellows. So. Yeah, uh, it's all it's all going alright. Keith Sheldon, if you took every grand final winning team over the past 10 years, excluding the two cheating Melbourne sides, well, there's actually three cheating Melbourne sides, uh, you know, oh, sorry, grand final teams, my bad, uh, and had them play each other in a tournament, who do you think would win? My money would be on the 2008 Manly side. Uh, I'd back the Roosters. Um, I'm trying to think. They, well, they lost that comp, didn't they? I think that Roosters 03 side is a pretty gun side. Yeah, I. Jeez, 
just tough. Of the decade. So we're, we're going back to where? We're going back to... This decade. So the last 10 years... Oh, sorry, yeah, the past so 10 years. we going back to what? 2004. So yeah, basically. 2014 so to 2004. You've got the Bulldogs... I'd, I'd say the, that the Bulldogs side in 04 would play the Rooster side in 2013. Well, actually, yeah, you've just completely reminded me. I was massive on the Roosters in 2013. Um, yeah, yeah, I think good. if you scroll through things... Uh, the Melbourne Melbourne 20, 2012 team was pretty good. Nah, Jamie Lowe was uh, on the... And the Manly, the Manly 2008 side was super. Yeah, they smashed Melbourne. They killed Melbourne. So they did a four for me. And, and that Rooster side that you mentioned with Fittler, um, who lost to that Bulldog side. Yeah, that was a good uh, side. And I was a big Brad Fittler fan and I was there that night. Uh, that Adrian was, Morley, all those infamous, kind of guys. Infamous uh, Hazamel Madgery. I can lay here for 10 seconds and oh, then put the ball down. What about that? That was ridiculous. I was at uh, yeah. Auntie Denise's house. I don't know why I was over there watching it with her Uncle Larry. and I don't go for either of them, but I was just like, wow, if that's not held, I'm not here. He struggled there for about 10 seconds before he broke yeah, through. But, so, um, I'm, I'm with you. Now that you've flashed that up, now that you've flashed that up in my head, uh, I think that, that, that 2013 side's pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think back through some of the other teams. You've obviously... That Bulldog side were outstanding. Oh, what about the bench? They had to, they had to deal with, um, in terms of they had the off-field incident. A year they earlier. They, that was a, they were a super side, that 04 side. Mate, that, oh, that, was a, that was probably the most hotly contested. Premiership. Uh, I, I think they're probably the best two grand final teams in terms of sustaining a run throughout the year, probably apart from the Melbourne and Manly sides who were very good throughout the season and then got through to the grand final. But yeah, well, think of... If you have a look, most, most seasons throw up, you know, a gun side that's been good all year and then a, and someone that goes on a run. But uh, the, the Bulldogs and the Roosters were very dominant that year in 04. And, uh, Penner for good, still. And again, yeah, Manly-Melbourne were dominant probably for that five-year period from yeah. 07 through to 2012 or whatever it was. Yeah, well, I wouldn't touch the Tigers 05. That was a flash in the pan. It was brilliant, but I wouldn't put them up against them. Uh, Broncos 06, it was still a good side, but that was a bit of a miracle run as well. Um, and you've got to think they had that ra- random halfback, Shane Perry. They did have Lockyer, Webke, those kind of guys. But, um, yeah, all those sides after are basically Manly, Melbourne. Then you get back to that Dragons 2010 side. I reckon they would get romped by some of those teams. They were very Barry Basics. Um I'm trying to think, 2011, that was when the Warriors lost to Manly. Cherry Evans' first year in first grade. Uh, Melbourne 2012, that was a pretty weak bench. That was just a fantastic coaching effort and uh, a turnaround and a hunger and desire to make up for those lost premierships. So I'm probably with you. I'd probably say Roosters 2013, but uh, it'd be either against Manly 08, but thinking of that Bulldog side now on the bench, I'd probably say... Yeah, Roosters 2013 versus Bulldogs 04. Roy Azatasi, Sonny Bill Williams. Like, they were on the bench for him, for Christ's sake. Willie Mason, yeah. Steve Price didn't play. Jonathan Thurston was on the bench. Sherwin was on fire. And Nasta, that was a great football side. Yeah, they, were, they were awesome. I've nailed it first go. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You, I've, been, I've been the last 15 grand finals in a row, so. Yeah, and I've got massive issues that I can remember all those grand final winning sides as well. I'm but. up on it. Um, Justin White will the new shoulder charge bans affect the finals teams i.e. South will be without Isaac Luke well that's I think that one's pretty obvious but I think some of those teams that are on top aren't stupid enough at this point in time Isaac Luke's was almost an admittance of uh, I'm kind of over things and a parting shot at his coach and you look at all the other blokes who got charged they're all teams that are not in contention so uh, I'd be very surprised bar that one 
I'd be very surprised by that one we saw if uh, anyone was dumb enough from a side like the Roosters or the Broncos to do something over the next few weeks that would put them in jeopardy. Basically, yeah. yeah you'd be filthy as a coach. And, um, what do we got here? The last one, Sean Chand. Mate, oh, you always come up with one that we can't answer on the spot. This is way too full on. Team of the decade. Oh, that's way too hard to bring up off the top Team of the head. decade. We could off a few. I think Smith would be the hooker. Yeah, oh, I could come up with that one. Yeah, Thurston would be your halfback. Be, uh, yeah. English would be one of the centres. Fullback would be Slater. Uh, who else we got? I'm trying to I'd think. Have Maddie, Scott. Maddie Scott is one of my front rowers. We'd probably. I'd have. Uh, I'd still probably. Yeah, oh, I don't know. We're talking Webkin that still played for half. Oh, hold on. We're going from oh, this decade, so you want to go decade. from 05. I'm, I'm, I'm still going Matt Scott over Webkin. Are we going? Uh, yeah, but we're we going from 05 to now, if it's going to be a decade? Yeah, well, 04, 05. 04. No, 05. 04 to 14, yeah. Well, 05, I don't care, whatever. To this year, present. All right, well, yeah, you can can Webkin a few of those blokes, and if you're looking at it that way. Ah, man. Yeah, I'd probably agree with the spine that you've talked about. Back row is a pretty hard one to come up with, I think, and lock and players like that. Um, I'd probably have Corey Parker as my lock. Yeah. I think he's uh, he's longativity. He's been playing since the bloody Stone Ages, but he's just got better and better. Um, the older he's got, back rowers, wow. I'd probably have Sonny Bill. I'd go close to having Sonny Bill. Even uh, with... Marsh, maybe. Nah, I wouldn't have Highmarsh. I think I think those guys were part of a different generation. I think if Highmarsh, Ryan, Fitzgibbon played now, they wouldn't play 300 games or what they did. Uh, I think football kind of passed that generation where they were fitness freaks, but I think they were like outstanding footballers per se to your back rowers now. So your Wade Grahams, these kind of guys that have a, a hard skill set as well as the physical build and the motor. Uh, back row. Well, we're going to... We're going to miss some as well. And then you know what? I'll tell you what. We're talking about Locke, and it's pretty hard. Um, and I know oh, well, he basically played Locke, not back row. I love Ben Kennedy. And I know he yeah, probably... He, he, he popped the mind, but I think he retired, you know. Oh, five. six. And oh, I, I still don't care. I love Ben Kennedy. He's so good. He's done. Wow. Back row. Yeah, I'd go Parker. He's my Locke. Back row's tough. Yeah. Well, you, like I said, Thurston's your half. Smith's your nine. Billy's your fullback. Centers, you'd put GI in one of those spots. I, I probably agree with that. Um, I'd probably find it hard to go past Hodges in the other spot, thinking about it as well, to be honest. Hodges? If you want to talk about like long term. Uh, it's like I said, this is really hard off the top of my head. Kevin Sinfield would have to get a run in there somewhere. Yeah, of course he would, you jerk. <laughs> Surprised you didn't name Jamie Peacock as well. You told. 50 nil. 50-0. Terrible. Yeah, against Hull KR. Doesn't matter, mate. Rubbish. Oh, mate, this, yeah, this is too bloody hard. Well, I'll, I'll, again, I'll add this to the to-do list, Sean. You've already got us with one about starting a team, and I'll do that at the end of the season review. Uh, I'll do a team of the decade then as well. There's two for you that were put on delay. Well, when are we going to do that? I mean, a special Sean Chan podcast? Nah, when we do the season review, there was more than one person who said about starting the team. So I basically put all of them on hold. So when we do the season review, we'll talk about, for five or ten minutes, basically, you know, what we'd roughly look at if we are going to start a side tomorrow. All right. So we'll put that one on delay. And same as this. I'll have a little more thinking and I'll come back to you. Uh, but he's got a second part. What about 
the next major positional evolution, like how fullback is almost now a second 5-8. Well, I think number nine slowly transitioned into that, and obviously fullback is still well, kind of... what it's going to be. It's going to be front row because of the interchanges. Yeah, well, the minutes, offloading, ball-playing ability, um, all the extra little strings to your bar, particularly the engine and the skill set. Yeah. Your prototypical player will be like the one that Penrith bought, that Villiama Kakao, a bloke that's scored 20 tries in the 20s this year. You're going to be more than just a battering ram. Exactly right. So, yeah, that's probably your more prototypical. Or even like I've said a million times before, I love players like your Josh Maguire's that can play almost a full game at front row, or your Bromwich. These guys, they're, they're, that's the next position. The teams that have those players, Madalinos, they're as rare as hen's teeth. There's only a couple of front rowers that deserve over half a million dollars, and you could name them on one hand. Um, your James Grahams, your Jesse Bromwich, your Ben Madalino, Jad Ray Hargreaves, they're in a league of their own as far as skill set and minutes played. So, yeah, front row, I agree with Brock. Okay. Bang. We'll quickly refresh the old Facebook. I think we're done with the old notifications there, if I'm correct. He's just loading up. Yeah. Live radio. So we go to Twitter. And on to Twitter, what have we got? Well, one that I'll answer from yesterday, just to give a shout-out to Gavin, because he's uh, a listener and a fairly constant. He said, would Trent Robinson be looking at anyone else besides McCurick as his little man on the bench while Pierce is out? Um, I said no. Samasoni Lengi is probably the only one who could play a similar role because he can play centre-back row or halves, but there's no one else there at Wyong uh, that can do what Kiwi can do. He can play nine. He's also been played as a locker or a back row when he was at Mountie, so he covers a fair few positions. And then we've got Randy Festus. If you were put in charge of an NRL of recruitment for an NRL expansion team, who would your target be as your first superstar signing? Uh, right now, I would have thought um, Moses Zimbabwe would be one that I'd, I'd be looking at as a young half. Uh, Cherry Evans, obviously, but Cricket probably reneged. Yeah, um, <laughs> he backflip. Uh, well, I'll answer yeah. mine easily. Sheck. Well, two of us are Sheck, yeah. If you want to go off age and potential going forward, like your Billies, your Smiths, your Cronks, your JTs, all these guys are older. If you want to talk about the most upside, Roger two of us are Sheck's 21, 22 years old. Warrior Hargreaves, I think you need a good front rower. Yeah, I like Jake Friend. A lot of people out there probably we think that's a bit odd, but uh, maybe not my no, first. I'm happy with that. Probably not my first, but uh, if you told me I had two or three marquees I could go for, Sheck and Friend would be pretty high on my list if you want to talk about key positions and age. Um, he, he, yeah. He, yeah, he'd be fairly high on my list. That's fair. Yeah, they're, they're probably the... But Sheck the stands one. out for me. If you want to talk about age and where he is already, uh, age 21, 22 to be what he is right now, he'd be number one. If you told me one player... He's got the most upside. He's the one I'm going for. Yeah. Uh, bucket for Masters at Bucket1488. Who do you rate as the best players, current and former, who never played either for their state or country? Well, again, this is another one. I've only been alive for a bloody... Alan Tong. Uh, yeah, not Sean for his Pettis state. Hasn't. Um, Aiden Tolman, not for his state. Yeah, Tolman hasn't. Anthony, Anthony Frankie did in the end, but yeah. he went a long, long time there. I thought he was playing good enough to get there. Uh, well, who haven't played for their stuff. Current or former, I'll throw Wade Graham up there again. I think he should have played for New South Wales already. Yeah. Um, like, just obvious ones that have missed. 
I'm trying to think. Well, uh, Jake Friend. He hasn't played for Queensland yet. Nah. But, like, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of former, but, I, like I said, honestly, my, my knowledge, being a bit younger, probably doesn't extend back to some of those massive names. I've heard some names floated before that never played for their countries, but uh, that was more football around the times when I wasn't born. Yeah, again, hard, hard off the head. Yeah. Well, like I said, if you want to talk about current in particular, I think Wade Graham next year, I expect him to be playing for New South Wales. Uh, I, I really do. Yeah, I think ja, ja Croker. Jared Croker. Yeah, he's, I think... He's he, been unlucky. He needs, to, he needs to get better defensively. Uh, oh, well, Ben Hunt. Yeah. Uh, Milford. A couple of guys there. Like, who haven't, haven't yet played. Um, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I think again that might be one. Have a bit more of a thought about later on, but yeah, off the top of my head, especially current, not so much former. That's probably the big one that stands out to me. I think Wade Graham's one I've looked at for the last few years and thought he could have been valuable uh, from New South Wales, but he's starting to get a little more love. So hopefully he gets a better look in uh, next year. But just Dave, uh, Dave Salter, uh, Davey Salter. If you could choose any coach from the past twenty-five years, Christ, they're going the old flashback, aren't they? To put into the bottom four teams to make them successful, who and why? I think my one's going to be pretty obvious, but it's going to sound biased. So. Uh, Gus, number one, and Wayne Bennett, number two. Yeah, well, mine was basically going to be either Bellamy or Bennett, if you're going to fix it. Um, oh, that's no knock on Gus. I think he's a fantastic coach. But he'd... when did he stop? He stopped the early 2000s, didn't he? Well, no, I think his last year was. Before Ricky took over, so it was 92. 97 at the Roosters, I think. 97 at the Roosters. Um, but I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I think at 97. When did Graham Murray take over? Who was the coach when he's won the comp in 02? Was that Graham Murray? No, that was Ricky Stewart. Uh, no, Ricky Stewart. That was his first Graham year. Murray, Graham Murray took us to the first, took us to the grand final in 2000, and we lost. Lost to the Broncos. They sacked him, they sacked him um, in 2001. And Stuart won in 2002. Yeah, well, okay. So Gus. Um, and then Stuart took over 02. Gus was done basically by the, when I was seven years old. So I don't have a great knowledge of teams that were coached by Gus Gould. The, probably the only thing I've seen was uh, some classic games where Andrew Walker and Brad Fittler were playing. Um, had a yeah, well, he had, he, had, uh, he had the Origin team during that three or four year run. Up until 2004. Yeah, well, that's where um, I remember Gus for being, you know, I've seen I was 13, 14 by then, but at age 7, I don't really remember too much. Stuart had him, had him in 05 and we won, and then 06, obviously, the run. Well, during my during my lifetime, it would be Bennett and Bellamy. Um, yeah, the Bellamy yeah. thing sounds biased, but Melbourne were kind of, they won that comp and then they kind of started at mediocrity, um, you know, no major players and this and that, and sitting at 7th, 8th and making the finals every year, but uh, to see what he's done... And over the last 10 years or so, it's absolutely outstanding. So um, if you want to talk about building a club, in particular for the better long-term, from the ground up, culture-wise, set-up structures and all the systems, uh, yeah, in my lifetime since I've been around, it would have to be Bennett or Bellamy. Yeah. Uh, Davey, again, how can we tinker with the rules to reward effective copybook tackles going forward for current uh, the current game in juniors watching? Well... This is a pet hate of mine because there is some blokes that just absolutely towel blokes up around the legs like DeBellin. Um, Big Nelson from Melbourne is like a two-metre tall bloke. He loves chopping blokes. I think it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen for such a giant man. And Trebojevic yeah, is another one who likes that legs tackle. But 
Um, yeah, the way they're We need to reward it. You need to... If it's a one-on-one legs tackle, I believe that the person who makes it should be able to get up and get square at marker before the person who was tackled can play the ball. Yeah, I'm kind of with you because a lot of the time they get done now. That's why as... you see a lot of players... You never see them go low because as soon as they chop and the player yeah. lands on his front and plays the ball quick, there's no advantage in it. And yeah. I know a lot of old, older people who watch the game don't like it, but um, that's just the way the game's played at the moment. So if you're going to chop low, you're going to have people around to sort of catch and hold them up and roll them on their back. But yeah, they do the old... some sort of incentive. I think if it's one-on-one, definitely it's got, to, it's got to go to... Or even if the first contact is low, the initial tackle is low, Yeah, um, that person should be able to clear the ruck before the player's allowed to play the ball, as long as it's within a reasonable time frame. Yeah, well, they do the old... Um, oh, bloody hell, the stupid seven on the ground, but they flop around when they've been chopped and they get a penalty for it. So there is no real reward for around-the-legs tackles. Well, that's all the questions, mate. But before we go, just to sum up again, how hard of a year it's been for Panthers. Rugby League Week has up the ridiculous injured Panthers 13. Fullback Matt Moylan, one wing George Jennings, Dean Faro is one of the centres. Dallin, who we've all forgot about, is the other centre. Robert Jennings, his hamstring on the other wing. Uh, Jamie Sauer obviously probably missed the last couple of games and missed most of the years at six. Wallace done his knee at halfback. Kite, been out for the whole of the year at front row. Um, Arizak John, they've got listed in the nine here. I guess that's just to fill the spot. Plum, concussed and retired at front row. Cartwright's kidney, and, you know, early in the year he had some uh, issues. Idris is a back row. We forgot about him doing his knee. Taylor's out now with a broken hand. So that was just 13 players that are injured currently. They've brought up, and they're all first graders, all first grade quality. Um, Yeah, there's still some others probably there that we're not talking about that have been missing for parts of this year, like James Seguiara and a couple others were. So I'm signing off on that note, seeing as you're a Panther man, mate. That's all. Talks. But there you go. That's uh, all the reviews. We've done the Fast Five, the Fan Forum. Thanks, as always, Boxhead. You're obviously leaving us now. I'm going to have uh, Mr. Gossip on next to go through the tips, all the dirt. Hopefully he's got a, a nice big swag of that this week. And uh, with the tips, I'm going to give you the odds brought to you by our great sponsors, WilliamHill.com. If you're going to bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. It's your call. Get the app on your phone or go onto the website, especially heading into the finals now. Make sure you punt on the NRL. Now, it's time for your weekly dose of goss from Mr. Gossip. It's been a hard week, but he shows up because that's what he does best. It's Mr. Gossip. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say, I'm not doing it with um, a whole lot of enthusiasm, especially when your team is uh, fighting for the spoon this Sunday. So, um, yeah, it's very demoralising from, from finishing fourth last year to potentially last this year. But, um, yeah, well, hard to put a smile on your face. It was a massive turnaround, isn't it? Um, and I said it to Brock, I, I kind of beat that drum for him about the injuries and this and that. And then when I looked at the ladder, uh, at this point in the year, and just saw that massive clump of teams, and I just thought, Christ, like, they've gone that low. Um, injuries or not, last year they, they fought harder. I know they've probably got even more, but uh, it just makes you kind of think, and I said that earlier, that they're not too sure about what's going on with Brennan. We're hearing things about Cleary. Uh, the injuries, it's just there seems to be a bit of a lull and a fair bit going on. So hopefully that all gets cleared up. Uh, once the season concludes for Penrith and we know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, Penrith aren't the only team 
with a list of injuries, so you can only sort of blame that uh, excuse for, for so long. But um, looking at Monday night's game against uh, Canberra, there didn't seem to be many players having 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 the dig that they definitely have last year. So yeah. Quite disappointing, mate, but moving on from the negatives and hopefully into uh, some juicy gossip. What do you got for us? All right, mate, you just touched on very quickly there um, the rumours coming out of Penrith, and uh, we've all heard the rumours now um, that uh, Ivan Cleary looks to be heading to the Warriors with um, Garth Brennan perhaps going back to Penrith. Now, the Warriors have denied this rumour this week, but, um, well, I mean, of course they're going to deny that. But, look, it's an interesting move. Uh, Personally, I, I can't see it happening, I think, Ivan's got unfinished business at Penrith, but um, yeah, it'd, it'd be big news, and I, I don't think Gus would be too happy if uh, Ivan did leave the ranks. And, and speaking of, of Gus Gould, he also denied it on Twitter as well earlier through the week. But um, it'd be heartbreaking for Penrith, but it'd be good news for the Warriors. Yeah, and I think I said to you, just a bit off key, if this was to happen, I think there'd be a massive musical chairs. Um, potentially playing out, and that also inclu- includes probably Maguire, which you're going to mention. But if he went back to New Zealand and Brennan did take that job, and then by some miracle Maguire did end up going to this Newcastle gig we're hearing about, I think Nathan Brown might swoop into that uh, South Sydney gig. Yeah, there'll definitely be a knock-on effect if, if, if it did happen. Um, as I said, it's all been denied, but it's um, what usually happens, doesn't it? But um, as a Penrith fan, um, I hope it doesn't happen. Um, I think, as I said, Ivan's got unfinished business and um, I'd like to see him at least another year. I think next year will be his fourth or fifth year at the club. So if, if he has another unsuccessful year, then fair enough, move him on. But um, we've also got to think, too, his young fellas playing in the lower grades too. Does he take his young fella with him to, to New Zealand? Um, so I guess another thing he has to consider. Yeah, that was the big thing I brought up to a lot of people that have jump straight on that news, I'm pretty sure Nathan re-signed as well for a couple of years so um, I, I don't think it's really feasible, it doesn't sound quite right uh, right now if he was to be heading back to New Zealand and his young blokes stay here and play in the under-20s so, um, yeah. I, 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 I like to think similar to you that he'd stay on for one more year especially with a few of the uh, signing decisions they've made um, You know, with Marin and a couple of young blokes I'd like to think that maybe next year they get into the eight at least do a solid job, do a little bit more recruitment, and then if he moves on, uh, fair enough. Yeah. All right, mate, still on coaches, and uh, with the Newcastle Knights, obviously, they still have not made an announcement who will coach them in 2016. Nathan Brown went for his second interview, I think Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, but Michael Maguire, he went for a second interview, I believe, yesterday. So uh, it's still, it looks like a two-horse race, and a lot of people have um, written Michael Maguire off, but... Um, bit hard to do that when he's going for second interviews but um, look I, I guess if, you, if you're a punting man you, your money's on Nathan Brown but um, geez, wow what, what a signing it would be for Newcastle if, if Michael Maguire went there and something that Newcastle really needs yeah well, I'm not going to I can't I'm not going to say he can't rebuild a side because um, you know he when he did come to South they already did have a pretty decent roster he did have to make a few slight little manoeuvres over a couple of years to get him uh, to win a premiership but if he's been in the Melbourne system and he showed success there as well as winning his first year in Wigan, uh, that, that would be a massive coup. You'd like to think that he's up in that top tier of coaches and would be able to guide them in the right direction. But uh, I'm with you. The, the knock-on effect again from that, I think Nathan Brown would almost be an instant swap straight back to South Sydney. Yeah. Um, I think over the next week or so, if, if one of these clubs that are, are still haven't announced the coach, as soon as they do, 
Um, I think all the pieces will fall in place. But, um, yeah, uh, either way, the Knights next year, I think they'll, they'll look better, especially with Hodgkins in there in the half. Um, but, um, yeah, my money's definitely on Nathan Brown. Yeah, oh, that's, uh, I'm kind of with you. I'm, I don't know if I could see Maguire, similar to Cleary, leaving um, at, at this stage. It just, I'd be quite surprised. The only thing I could think about is an absolutely massive payday, and I'm pretty sure he already, he already got one from South after winning the comp anyway. Yeah, well, that's true. And, look, he has won a comp, comp with South Sydney, but I guess as a coach, it's up to the individual. But I guess it would be it would be a goal of some coaches anyway to win a premiership at, at another club and... Um, he may just be able to do that with the Knights, but I'm pretty sure Nathan Brown will be announced within the next week or so. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, buddy. All right, mate, probably the biggest news of the week and back page, front page all week pretty much is the saga that's going on with the West Tigers. Um, look, Robbie Farrow has been in talks with Leeds over the UK, but nothing's concrete as yet because um, as we speak now on the Tuesday night, um, there is a board meeting taking place, which uh, JT is... Um, Posting and that's with all the corporate sponsors at the moment. And uh, yeah, sponsors obviously they aren't happy with Robbie Farrell leaving. So as we've seen before, mate, um, sponsors have a big say on in, in rugby league these days. And it wouldn't all surprise me if some of the sponsors, in fact, one of the sponsors is a, a lawyer firm, I believe, uh, that's threatening to pull the pin on the West Tigers if Robbie Farrell's um, not re-signed. So. Um, yeah, what's going to come from this? I'm not sure, but there's also rumours that um, the JT might get the sack as well. But either way, it's an absolute mess of the Tigers. But um, I think we'll get a little bit more transparency from the meeting today with the sponsors. Yeah, mate, I don't think we can add too much to that. I'm with you. Uh, probably the only thing I said earlier on is there's just little pros and cons to the whole setup. It's funny how well Robbie played on the weekend. Uh, once this happened, unfairly, this announcement, 100%. Um, he signed a four-year deal. He took unders previously. Has he been playing his best football? Definitely not. Is there a culture issue? From what I saw on the weekend, all the blokes were uh, hugging him and, and seemed pretty happy, and then they got told they're on a media ban, and they all talked anyway. So um, it's it's really hard to know who to believe, and they're definitely not on the same page. Marina Go came out and said it was for cultural reasons. JT said something completely different. Uh, it just seems to be an absolute shamble at the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, one thing that um, is a little surprising to me is, um, you know, that they want to get rid of Robbie, Robbie Farrer for salary cap pressure, but no talk about Chris Lawrence. Um, pretty, <laughs> if, if I was in the West, I would think Chris Lawrence would be the first to go, not Robbie. Yeah, and the other thing about it, again, they say salary cap pressure, but what people have said to me, oh, so they get rid of a million dollars. No, there's a two-year deal. They're basically trying to march him out the door and get someone to pay at the worst possible time of the year. So they're basically not relieving any pressure at all. If anyone was willing to chip in, the only way I could see them coming out ahead is, is if it was a UK side, like you said. Mm. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find out more tomorrow in the papers anyway. Yeah, this, this one's going to drag out for a little bit, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And at the wrong time of year, too, to be honest. Yeah. Um, mate, one that I call an eye-roller... Um, and that's Nick Politis. Now, apparently he's confirmed this week that he's been speaking with Jared Hayne um, if the deal falls through with the 49ers that um, Hayne could be a rooster. I just, I call it an eye roller because I just, how the hell would they fit Jared Hayne in their salary cap? Um, but Nick Politis, he'd find a way. Uh, you just give him that Kluger that he gave him and a bunch of other things outside of the salary cap. And <laughs> um, Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'd have to roll my eyes if they were somehow to fit him 
Blake Ferguson, um, you know, Keith Pearce, upgraded all those guys, kept the bench players in the international state of origin back rollers. Um, yeah, and the best bench in the comp. It's, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. All right, mate, the last one for that. We'll end on a good note, and that's nice guy, Mr. Blake Austin. He's re-signed with the Raiders until 2018. Another one the Tigers have let go. Um, look, fantastic for Blake Austin. He's easily the, the signing of the year in my books. Um, and good for him too. He's great off the field and uh, always engaging with fans on Twitter and, and off the field too. Great fella. Mate, I'm like I said, absolutely stoked for the bloke. I went to school with him. I played some footy with him. Uh, he's a pretty good guy at school. He had a bit of a, a rough run of things, uh, obviously getting into the lower grades at Penrith. I don't know whether it was a, a change of scenery that was needed. Some people, we get a little bit comfortable with where we are. But as soon as he went to the Tigers, he just exploded. Um, I saw him earlier in the year in Canberra when I went and stayed with Vaughn, and he was really happy. He's got a young family, and he's just got his head screwed on. It's it's fantastic to see um, old people that you went to school with doing well. And uh, He signed a three-year deal at the start of this year, so that also shows you know, what he's meant to Canberra for the fact that they're willing to tear up that deal only one year in and redo it financially. So um, good on the Raiders and good on Blake Austin. Absolutely. And he was, he was terrific last night against the, the Panthers, and then when he came off, um, they definitely... Lacked a bit of urgency to the Raiders, so yeah, he's um, he's definitely a force to be reckoned with with the green machine. Yeah, and Ricky Stewart summed things up. He said, regardless of what the results are of that shoulder scan, he's done enough for us this year, and rightly so. He didn't name him this week, so um, that shows the kind of regard that the club holds him in. And I'm with you. The, the stuff with the media I've seen with young kids, and when he used to coach that side down here at Doonside, he's just a really good bloke. So um, you know, full credit to him. He's worked really hard, and he deserves every cent. Yeah, absolutely. All right, mate, so that's everything. That's it, Sunshine. All righty, we're getting on to the tips from last week. Uh, we only had that one different again, and it fell my way, luckily. You went to <laughs> Cowboys, I went the Storm, and they got the job done. So you got six, I got seven. Uh, the Dragons ruined a perfect round. It always seems to be one team that has to fall over. And, uh, just, you know, <laughs> oh, it really gives me the shakes. But um, that brings you up to 109. I'm on 113. So heading into finals. Things are starting to get a bit slimmer. But before we do our tips, we're going to do the odds as well. Brought to you by WilliamHill.com. It's your call. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure it's with William Hill. Get the app on your phone or go onto the website. First game of the round, it's the Thursday night game. It is the Broncos versus the Storm. Uh, Some of this one up, the Broncos named a pretty full-strength-looking lineup, but I wouldn't be surprised if he rested a couple. So with that in mind, I'm probably going to back Melbourne. Yeah, wow, it's, it's a difficult one to pick, isn't it? Melbourne coming off a win. Um, oh, jeez, well, I, you know, I might stick with the Storm. Um, I think they'll win. Yeah, I think top four, and there's not really much to gain for Brisbane. I, I kind of get that feeling. Sometimes some teams do it, some don't, but I, I get the feeling he may rest a couple. Uh, that's, yeah, I, that's, yeah, exactly. There's, there's nothing to be gained. So if anyone needs a break or there's any niggling injuries, I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled a couple late. Uh, Melbourne win, get a possibility of getting that fourth spot, but yeah, there's just nothing to gain for the Broncos. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, Wayne Bennett's proven before he has rested players when it comes close to the final, so he, he may just do that, mate. The odds are the Broncos' favourites a dollar fifty-four at home. The Melbourne Storm two dollars fifty. The line is minus five and a half. I do have a feeling though that they may pull some. So Melbourne at two fifty. Yes, please, William Hill. I'm going to take a bucket load of that. Um, if you like some multi-value, the 12.5 start, $1.41 for the Storm. So good value either way there. But Friday night, you got the 
the rivals, the Roosters versus the Bunnies. The Bunnies, they can't buy a win. Uh, they've been absolutely terrible. That one flash in the pan against the Cowboys seems so distant. Uh, this one's easy. I know the, the minor premiership's there for them to game, but they're not going to rest players. They've got massive momentum. They're, they're possibly going to go 15 in a row if they go all the way to the grand final and win at the Roosters, so I'm going to stick with the Chooks. Yeah, on form, you've got to go to the Roosters, but um, don't discount the rivalry. It's always a close one, but yeah, on current form, you'd think the Roosters would win it and win quite comfortably, so I'm happy tipping them again this week. Yeah, no Sutton. Uh, obviously, him, Luke getting himself suspended. I think that was a little parting shot at Michael Maguire, to be honest. And uh, no Greg Inglis. So, uh, those couple of losses and the Roosters all fired up. I think they want to make a statement romping their way into the finals. But we unfortunately move on to the, the dire topic of the Penny Panthers and the wooden spoon battle against the Newcastle Knights out here in the Great West. Uh, Penrith naming a similar lineup. I don't know what's going to happen with Jamie Sowd and Cartwright. They've both been named, but. Uh, both been hospitalised last night. Bryce Cartwright's going to be there for a few days in the lacerated spleen, I think it was. So, um, Yeah, not too sure about that. But the way Newcastle's been playing, the spirit they've showed, it pains me to say it, but I'm going to have to back Newcastle. Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Newcastle, geez, they were good um, against Canterbury last weekend. Yes, they had a lot to play for, but um, they're playing not too bad, Newcastle. And as you said, they're playing with a lot of heart and a lot of vigour. Uh, very proud side. Um yeah, they've got more ticker and more heart than the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers snapped together side, and our mate Wong and Blake still playing in the centre. So <laughs> I can't, I can't tip the Panthers when he's um, in your first grade squad, especially in the centre. Yeah, liability. Well, when you get to these kind of games, it's fifty-fifty. It's usually best to go with the team that's showing that ticker. And Newcastle are certainly showing plenty of that. If it wasn't for a couple of Uate errors last week, you feel they may have got. The result, but uh, they are outsiders, surprisingly. They are 2.05 against the Penny Panthers, who are favourites at $1.78. Uh, minus two is the line. I like Newcastle on this one. I'm definitely going to be taking some of that 2.05. Bit of multi-value, $1.30 for 12.5 start. Um, if you like them, 1 to 12, $3.65. Or the Penny Panthers, 1 to 12, $3.45. I tell, what, I tell you what wouldn't be a bad bet. Who would make the more errors, Uate? Or Wonga Blake. Can you combine both of them? Five plus? <laughs> if I could do that, I'd get a part of it. And uh, just the odds <laughs> from that game before, I forgot. The Roosters and the Rabbitohs. Roosters, heavy favourites, forty. The Bunnies are $3. Minus eight is the line. Uh, I'm kind of feeling a shellacking. I know the rivalry's there, but a couple of huge key players missing, and the Roosters, I reckon, want to make a statement. So 13 plus, $2.40, one to 12 three fifteen. If you think Souths can put up a fight and keep it one to twelve, bit of multi-value, twelve and a half start is a dollar fifty-five. But back to Saturday's fixtures, the Dragons possibly to miss the eight. I highly doubt it. The turnaround is sixty-one points, so basically they need to lose by thirty-two and Manly win by thirty or vice versa. Um, they play the Tigers, and this is a bogey side for them. Uh, Joel Thompson's out. There was somebody else I've missed when I looked at the lineup. Nabuli's back, but. Uh, after what I saw last week from the Tigers and, and given the facts their last game that spoiler value and being a bogey side I'm going to back the Tigers yeah, and it's a Bobby Farrow's last game at the club so um, it'll be an interesting one uh, also you've got Benji Marshall too up against the Tigers so a good game uh, but I'm going to go to the Dragons in current form uh, got more to play for uh, Tigers yes they were impressive last start but um, I think a lot of emotion got them home to be honest yeah, I'd love to think the same, but the Dragons just look like fodder right now. Week one, uh, I don't know who they're going to play. I really hope they finish eighth, and if we don't get top four as a Storm fan, I hope we finish fifth. 
because uh, I think that's an easy way to go to week two. I'd, I'd much rather play them than play the Bulldogs, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, the Dragons are favourites, though. $1.63, the Tigers, $2.30. Outsiders, the line, minus four with William Hill. I uh, probably like the Tigers in a 1 to 12, 4 bucks. I, I guarantee if the Dragons win, it will be 1 to 12, $3.10. If you like the Tigers with a bit of multi value, 12.5 start for them is $1.35. But Saturday wraps up. This is a bit of a danger game, uh, this one for me. It's the Cowboys versus the Titans who showed plenty of heart and they really don't care who they play. They just throw the football around. Tarmow's back. That is an upside, but they've been a bit flat, so. Um, you'd be expecting a big performance, but I'm sure the Titans will want to go out with a bang in their last game of the season. I'm still going to tip the Cowboys, but it wouldn't surprise me if this was closer than people expect. Yeah, I think it'll be a close one. Uh, Titans, uh, geez, they played good football last week, uh, but the Cowboys, they'll be hurting after that loss last weekend. And, and JT, geez, wasn't he pumped up with the rest last weekend? And um, <laughs> yes. That's not what you need from your captain going into the final series is um, arguing with the referee. So hopefully... Greeny uh, makes sure that uh, JT pulls his head in. He was acting like a bit of a goose, to be honest. But um, I think the Cowboys will win, and, and uh, it'll be a good game, I think. Yeah, well, I hope they get things back on track, and William Hill certainly thinks so. They're a $1.22 favourites. The Gold Coast Titans, $4.30. Uh, minus 12 is the line, to be honest. I might take a bit of that. The 12.5 starts eighty three for the Titans. Uh, from what I've seen and that spoiler value and just their brand of football, I'd like to think the Cowboys would get back on track, but... Uh, it really wouldn't surprise me if the Tigers can hold that side of things. If you think North Queensland will explode, they're $1.95 for 13 plus, uh, 1 to 12, they're 3.05. But Sunday, three games on there. There's no Monday night this week. It kicks off. It's the Eels versus the Raiders. No Blake Austin. Parramatta's been playing pretty good, so I'm quite confident to back Parramatta. Wow. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. The pick, as you said, Parramatta have been playing well. Um, and push Cronulla all the way uh, last weekend. Uh, but I'm going to go to the Raiders because I've got to catch up on points on you. But I think um, I think it'll be a 50-50 call, especially with, with Austin out. It's a, it's, a, it's a massive loss. You could really see how deflated the Raiders were against Penrith on Monday night without him. But, um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll go to the Raiders, but not confident. Yeah, well, I saw Mitch Cornish's name. I called Mounties again on the weekend. I haven't been too impressed with some of the New South Wales Cup games since he's gone back down, to be honest. Uh, whether he's just down on confidence, that's the way it certainly looks. But this is potentially a future employer. Uh, Parramatta seemed to be interested in him as a backup half, so maybe he might get his tail up. I don't know. But I, I think Parramatta, next year when they get Gordon firing these kind of guys, they might get over the line in some of these games they seem to have fallen over in. So uh, I will back them in and... William Hill agrees. They've got them at $1.63. The Canberra rate is $2.30, so a bit of value there for you, Gossip, if you like them. Minus four is the line. Uh, this is a 1-12 to game. If you want the Eels, $3.10. Canberra, $4.00. Multi-value, 12.5 start for the Raiders, $1.35. Like I said before, Manly potentially in the finals if results go their way the day before with the Dragons-Tigers game. They play the Sharks at the prison with that being said, and the way they've performed the last two weeks, I don't need to say too much. I'll stick with the Sharkies. Yeah, Sharks, uh, more to play for. Um, we're going to tip them as well. $1.58 are the Cronulla Sharks. Manly, $2.40 minus 4.5 is the line. Um, I don't know if I could say 13 plus just because the Sharks aren't really a team to blow something out of the water. But 1-12, to they're 3.10, $3.13 plus. If you think Manly will keep it close... Multi value, 12.5 start, $1.37. 
and the regular competition wraps up with the Bulldogs versus the Warriors. And let me tell you, if the Warriors form spent anything to go by, this could be an absolute shellacking uh, bank interest about the Dogs, and rightfully so. It's the Bulldogs, surely. I just, I don't know what you could say. I, I backed them two times in this awful run, thinking they might fire up, and the Warriors have just given me nothing. Yeah, no, they've been terrible, and uh, thank God it's not a Monday night game. I don't think anyone would watch it all go to it, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you got, you've got to go to the Bulldogs, but uh, a danger game for the Bulldogs in many reasons too, because they, they don't want to injure any players as they're going into the final, so do they rest players as well? I'm not sure. I don't know what I'd do if I was Desi Hasler. Well, I'll tell you the beautiful thing for them, they get to look at this game to see if they've got the potential to make the top four. So for them, they get to watch the Sharks, and if they win that game or if the Rabbitohs win that game, anyone with better for and against Melbourne, if that happens, they're going to be able to look at it and say, okay, where are they going to play everyone or we're going to pull the pin? So um, yeah. they're in a pretty decent position in regards to that situation. So not a bad thing, but bank interest, as I said, with WilliamHill.com, the Doggies, they're dollar six. The New Zealand Warriors are nine dollars minus twenty four and a half. That is massive. Um, wow, twelve and a half start. If you're that confident, and I doubt you are, four bucks about the Warriors. So huge odds, thirteen plus bank interest again, a dollar twenty two. If you're going to bet on the doggies in this game, you're probably better off getting the old scorecast. So someone to score a try and dogs to win. Uh, I got a good one the other week with Morris, but maybe Pritchard or one of the back rows might get you two fifty or some kind of value, but. That's it, mate. That's the last round of regular tipping. Um, hopefully, we'll keep going through the finals. And you've got two different here, so you might drag yourself back into contention. But um, we'll have to keep close eyes on the Raiders and the Eels game. And obviously, you've tipped uh, the Dragons. I've tipped the Tigers. But fingers crossed the pennies avoid the spoon. I'm, I might go down uh, to the old Pepper Stadium on Saturday and have a few schoonars and watch them. <laughs> I tell you what, Grandfather Gossip is a massive Knights fan, so... Um, I'll be copying it royally if uh, if the Knights do win. So I've already got uh, butterflies and something very nervous about this game. Um, hopefully the, the Panthers can snare a win, but um, I wouldn't bank on it. Mate, if he uh, gets a bit lippy, just threaten to put him in a home. That might be the go. <laughs> 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 I, might, <laughs> I might just do that. There you go. Just like Homer Simpson <laughs> did to Abe. That's your, that's your way out. Put him in a home. Just say, look, if you keep this up, you're gone. All right? You're out. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> Outstanding champion. Enjoy your weekend. I've got my fingers, toes, my eyes, oh, everything crossed for you. Hopefully the pennies can <laughs> avoid the wooden spoon and hopefully you jag these couple back and we can keep battling it out during the semifinals with the tips. Mate, I look forward to it. Thanks again. No worries, mate. Have a good one. <laughs> a massive thanks, as always, to Mr. Gossip. If you want to catch up with him on Twitter, his handle is at NRL Gossip. On Facebook, just type in NRL Gossip in the search bar or go onto our page. There is links everywhere to him. And we have to thank WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. They're the best company to bet with. It's your call. Get the app on your phone or go onto the website. They've provided our odds for the year. Um, They let us give away those free bets every week in our pick-the-score competition, so keep your eyes peeled for them. They're up about half an hour before a couple of games on the Gossip page for your chance to win a $100 free bet from them and also our charity account. They're outstanding, uh, very giving. We've donated to the Starlight Foundation last year, the Shepherd Centre the year prior. This year, the Guide Dogs Association were over $2,000 thanks to WilliamHill.com. So um, massive thank you to them for coming on board. And last but not least, if you want a bit of help on the punt, we've obviously got our other sponsor, the NRL Gossips. 
Oh, what am I about the gossip? So I've got it mixed up. The NRL profits. So if you're tired of constantly losing money to the bookies, it's time you join the NRL profits. Over 70 units of profit in season 2014. The service includes quality betting recommendations for rugby league, including the NRL and the Super League. So you get the best of both worlds. The Profits has a special offer to all our listeners. It's a 10% discount off the Access All Profits packages. So just visit nrlprofits.com forward slash fifth and last to take advantage and profit with the Profits. But that wraps us up for another week here on the fifth and last NRL podcast. A little tear in Louis' eye. Uh, the end of the regular season. No longer eight games. It starts to get slim. It was spring started today. All the things that I hate. I don't like the sun. I don't like summer. I'm a winner boy. I'm a footy boy. I'm going to have to cherish this last eight-game round and the finals run. Who's going to win the competition? Who's going to get that dreaded spoon between the Panthers and the Newcastle Knights? Who knows? But you've got your reviews. You've got the Fast Five. We did your fan forum questions. You've got your dirt. You've got the tips and the odds from WilliamHill.com. So the last thing left for you to do is to enjoy your week. Enjoy this last round and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.